This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning. It's nice to have your company. Welcome. God, it's cold outside this morning. It's like winter. Like winter. So they found the plane. Well, they're now saying it did ditch in the sea. So after all these people, 19 ships, aircraft, radar from the Chinese. That's a, it's a British company who's gone, it's here. It went down here. And we're all going, really? I mean, I have to be honest, I'm somewhat sceptical. Because all they do, they send a text out to the, the families of the people who are on it going, oh, well, that's it, it's gone down. OK, end of story. As if you can just dismiss it. No, you can't. No, you can't. The crooked business women who met the Queen. Bungalows are back in fashion. And we've got a gadget competition. Oh, and the lobsters in the building. All of that this morning. On LBC. It is nice to have your company. I'm, I'm glad you're with us. We did uh, <coughs> Alan Titchmarsh yesterday for In Conversation. He was on fine form. On fine form. He's got his ninth novel out now. His ninth novel. And he's got a programme looking at the Queen's Gardens coming up. He was telling us, uh, telling me, about how he is going to be finishing doing the chat show in the afternoon. He's got one more season this year, the autumn season, then that will be it. And I said to him, I said, but what about all the people who work on the show? And he said, um, oh, they'll all get jobs. They'll all get jobs. You know, because they're a, a very, very good team. So uh, it's a very interesting conversation. This week, however, on In Conversation, Sam Bailey who won The X Factor, great new album out, really good album, singing along in the car to it, uh, together with Edina Menzel from Frozen. Can't wait to see that film. Two films which are now out. You can now buy Philomena and Saving Mr Banks. They're both available and both arrived this morning. And The Lobster's in the building. Now, I, the only reason I mention The Lobster is, you remember a short while ago, um, I decided to treat the producer, because I'm a generous person and it's tax deductible, uh, to a lobster. So I go to Sandy's, uh, which is our fish shop in Twickenham. They have fresh fish every day. And I said, I'd like a lobster. Now, I didn't know how it was going to arrive. Anyway, it came in a polystyrene box and it was all done. It was cooked, cut in half, decorated with salad and everything. So I brought it in and he went crackers for it. He said it was absolutely delicious, exquisite, beautifully done and all the rest of it. So I thought, well, this time round, we'll do a live lobster, a live lobster. Now, I appreciate the fact that I'm somewhat squeamish about fish, especially fish that moves or lobsters that move. So I go in yesterday to see Stuart and, uh, and I, I've collected the lobster and he shows it to me. It looks, look at about, looks about the size of a small door. I mean, it's enormous, this thing. and It's got pincers, but they've got the elastic bands on them. They look as they do in fish shop windows, but it's, it's a bit different when you're actually taking one home. So he puts it in a polystyrene box. It's come in a polystyrene box. On top of that, there's some wet newspaper. And on top of that are some ice packs to keep him chilled. So I put him in the boot of the car overnight. It's got air holes in the top of the box as well. Because I don't, you know, want him to be a happy lobster as he ends his life later on today. And, uh, and so I, I put him in the boot of the car and take him out this morning. And every so often he moves. So, of course, it's freaked the producer out as he's taken him out of the box. So, so he's, he's in the box. We opened the box upstairs this morning. Bear in mind, I've seen him, but now he's covered. It's a bit like doing a post-mortem. It's a bit like you don't really want to lift the paper up in case all of a sudden a claw comes out, grabs you and drags you into the box. And so, so, they, so the producer, it's, he's, he's covered with wet paper. So he, oh, you lift up the paper. So he lifts up a little bit of the paper very carefully, as if he is expecting this thing to drag him into the box and go, you killed me. You know, it's a little bit like that. <laughs> 
So, anyway, he sees the tail, he puts the paper back down here. He's freaked out completely. Whereas James is being quite brave and is actually... Is he opening it in there? No. He's not there at the moment. Is, 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 is the box in there? Oh, right. The boxes make a lot of noise at the moment. And we, we have affectionately called the lobster James. You know, no reason for it. We were going to call him Basil, but we didn't think that sounded very appropriate for a lobster. So anyway, so then he goes online, the producer, and he's looking at how you kill a lobster. Well, I've already had the instructions from Stuart at Sandy's, which is where you boil a pan of water. It's got to be a big pan. You put the lobster in, and he's got to be completely submerged, and it's got to be boiling, and then just let it simmer. So you let it simmer for about, apparently, ten minutes. And that seems to kind of do the trick. Take him out and just make sure that the water runs off his head so his head's dry. And that means that he'll be cooked. Then you plunge him into cold water uh, to let the meat settle. And then after that, you can take him out and then you put the knife in him and you draw it down the middle. Unfortunately, when we watched it on the television, the legs are still moving. The tail is still moving. And I said, don't worry, that's just involuntary. That's like cutting a chicken's head off. Not that we've done that in the studio. But if you did, the chicken would still run around because it's just got involuntary movement in it. And so exactly the same for the lobster. So now we're all freaked out over the lobster. You know, and I've I've said to him, I said, it's funny, I was coming in the car. All I could hear coming from the box was, help me, help me now, help me now, (laughs) save me. Which, of course, has made the producer even worse. He's now, he's, he's now thinking. You see, it was all, he was all big and bold before. Ooh, you know, I could do a lobster and all that kind of thing. When it's actually presented to him in the box, it's kind of not that easy. It's kind of not that easy because you're sort of looking at a, at a sort of a lobster. Well, he's not because he was looking at some paper. But every so often the box moves. As obviously the lobster's either, you know, settling down for a night's sleep. Or he's getting ready to kill him. <laughs> just, we don't really know which one it is. So the story of the lobster. And no doubt later on he will take a photograph of it. And, uh, and then the, so we, what we need is a photograph of the lobster. The pot. You know, we want to see the whole storyboard scenario. Lobster coming out of the box. Pot. And then coming out and then knife. And then prepared lobster. <laughs> Not going to happen, is it? It's just he's going to be out today in a fish shop buying an aquarium. And he's going to fill it with water and put the lobster in there and look at it. Because if, if he does do that, he'll have to take the things off the... I don't know what lobsters eat. I've got no idea what lobsters eat. I don't know what they eat. Chocolate or something? I don't know. You feed them? I don't know. No idea what they eat. But either way, at some point this morning, James, the AP, is going to be having a look at the lobster. Because he's as curious as everybody else is. Even on the front desk, they were very, very curious as well. Very, very... As we go, oh, I said it's a live lobster. No. Yeah. Isn't it funny how people are fascinated by something that you just take for granted? Whereas when we lived in Hong Kong, down on South Beach, there was a big aquarium and it had lobsters in there and, and everything else. And you could pick out the one you wanted to eat. At the flo- floating restaurants, they had big, big tanks. And you went, I'll have that one there. And you could see the fish going, not me. Don't, don't pick me. I'm really ugly. Look, mm, hunchback. You know, all that kind of thing. And so you pick it out and they, they catch it there with a net, put a net in, catch it, kill it, cook it. But I'll tell you what I saw the other day, talking of fish and talking of strange things. And I can't work this one out at all. On our local fish and chip shop, not the one that does the super, super fish and chips, but the other one, there's a halal sign gone up on the outside of it. Halal fish. How does that work? Halal fish. It's not possible, is it? I thought halal meat, but halal fish. Why on earth would a fish and chip shop have a halal sign on it? And so I asked a friend of mine, I said, halal fish? He said, no, no, the whole idea of halal is that, you know, the animal is is bled. You know, you cut its throat and it and it bleeds and they're supposed to be stunned, some of them, but they don't in a lot of cases. How would that affect fish? I've never heard of halal fish. 
which I thought sounded rather strange. Actually, it's kind of it's kind of put me off because I don't like to. I'm, I'm I'm not sure what they're doing in there. That's different from everybody else. I've never heard of halal fish. Perhaps they hadn't heard of it either. But we shall investigate between now and the end of the program and try and find exactly what the what the blooming heck's going on. I want to know. Uh, hope you are well. The lobster was good, says Noreen, and you brought some in for Sam. It's it's with us in the studio now. He's he's got to take it home on the tube. On the tube. He's got to work. I said, just don't drop him, for goodness sake, you know, because he's, uh, he's had a nice life up until now. It's a bit like taking a baby lamb home on the tube and then going, I'm going to have to kill you, I'm afraid. But with lobsters, you just feel a bit, bit guilty about it. So I've, I've started speaking in hushed tones around it. I haven't actually used the word kill. I've done K-A-L-L-E-D. Makes me feel a bit better about life. Anyway, um... Next week, 60s musical tours, says Noreen. Brian Poole and the Tremolos. Chris Montez. Lovely. Chris Farlow. Lovely. And Vanity Fair. Sun, 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 wee. Uh, Wayne Fontana was meant to be on it too, but he's had to pull out due to illness. Hope he's okay. My favourite single, as you know, Pamela Pamela by Wayne Fontana. In fact, anything from the 60s. Anything from the 60s I'm very happy with. I'm very happy for Jimmy Tarbuck. Uh, facing no charges. He says, you know, in the papers today, my nightmare is now over. He's had a year of it. Uh, they had one person, uh, a boy, that came forward. Well, <laughs> everybody was saying at the, at the time, sorry, Jimmy Tub. I don't think so. I don't think so. And then five more came forward, proving that, you know, some people would just jump on any old bandwagon. And quite clearly, the Crown Prosecution Service have looked and go, there's not enough evidence for, a, you know, for anything. Why, why waste time in court? And it's almost like they were sort of trawling through, you know, old show business celebrities. And so Jimmy Tarbuck, very relieved when he was phoned by the papers yesterday, he said, I'm having a glass of wine and a bowl of pasta with the wife. He said, now I can rebuild my life. You took, to be honest with you, if it happened to you, you would be thinking, I tell you what, let's go after the people who made these allegations. Let's sue them. Let's sue them. You know, because quite clearly, out of the, uh, the people who accused Jimmy Savile of his of his misdemeanours, and God knows we all mourn the fact that he's dead, don't we? Because otherwise he'd have been up in court facing these charges. There will be a vast number of people who've just made it up, just to jump on a bandwagon. And that's that's a sad thing. But the moment they started bringing out other celebrities, I mean, honestly, it does not make pleasant reading. There was the, the internet was full yesterday of this comedian who got friendly with this boy who was obviously mentally disturbed... And uh, that was the front of the mail on Sunday the other day. And we were all saying in the office who was the comedian and the uh, the Internet is full of it. And then somebody came up to me yesterday and said, oh, did you know that the comedian in it, who incidentally has not been named because he's never been charged, never been questioned, never been talked to by the police. The family have said, no, we don't want him named. The NHS have said we don't want him named. It's, uh, so everybody's quite, quite happy with it. But we, we couldn't work out who the dickens it was. Did you read the story? On the Sunday, it was a most bizarre story. A most bizarre. How are you supposed to know? I think in one case or in one part of the interview, the parents said that this comedian, whoever they are, uh, showered their son with gifts. And I thought, what's the matter with that? Surely, if you're going out with somebody, and they appear to be going out, you would buy gifts for somebody. I mean, if you look in term of terms of gifts, I'm quite clearly buying gifts for the for the team here. There's barely a day goes by where I don't bring something in for them. You know, it's either a sandwich or... I mean, could that then be interpreted later on as, why were you buying them gifts? I go, what, bacon, bacon lettuce and tomato is a gift now, is it? You know, a, a lobster, of course, could be seen as a gift. 
I have to be honest, a lobster could be seen as a gift. But that's what I do. I buy, I buy presents for people. I'm much better at buying presents for people than having people buy me presents. I don't want any presents. So when they said this, this person bought gifts for our son, I thought, well, of course he did. Why not? Why would you not? I take people out, out for dinner. I'd hate to think that, you know, in years to come, they're going to go, well, of course, Steve took us out for dinner. And you think, yeah, I took loads of people out for dinner. I'm not taking you out for dinner. You've had your dinner delivered here. You've got to go and cook it yourself. That's a bit unusual, isn't it, now? You actually bring something in that the producer's got to cook for himself. Are <laughs> you going to be getting it out very shortly, James? The, the lobster? Do you think you want to? I mean, do you think it's, uh, do you think it's feasible? Because he's terrified. I don't care what anybody says. He is absolutely bricking it next door. I've just got this feeling. He's so scared of it. If you got it out and put it on the desk in front of him, he would go vegetarian. I know. That, that claw is going to come out, drag him into the box, or get caught up in your hair, Sam. <sighs> Ooh, I tell you. Him and the girlfriend in the kitchen tonight, they're both going to be dancing around the table like ninnies, aren't they? Oh, go dodge it, go dodge it. Quarter past four. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning as the relatives of flight MH370's passengers are told there's no hope of any survivors. Nick will be asking a series of experts what's next for the investigation. I bet the Malaysian government can't wait for this one to go away. And I, and I don't say that with any disrespect to anybody on the flight at all. I just find it very odd that, uh, that now they've sort of come out and said, well, actually, a, a British company that I'd never heard of, so I'm, I'm assuming they're experts in their field, why they didn't use those to start with. They, they could have plotted this, unless there's more information that has just come to light. They've now got horrendous weather conditions out there. So now they know where it is, and they pinpointed it within a 5,000-square-mile area. Surely they can now go down and find a bit of wreckage. That's all they've got to do, find the wreckage to confirm to, confirm to people that that flight did go down that the flight went down and there was no hope. Because I would hate to think that it didn't, and that this was just a smokescreen. This was just something to say, oh, let's just keep it out of the papers, for goodness sake, it's getting worse. After we had the other Malaysian flight that went down, we had the other Malaysian flight that went down the other day, and it had to sort of land in Hong Kong. And that one was because of, I think, the onboard generator stopped and then the, the extra one kicked in. But, I mean, you know, I'm not going to be flying Malaysian Airlines anytime soon, let me tell you. Syed Kamal, Conservative MP for London, is going to be looking through the papers for today. Uh, they've got uh, the Mirror doing uh, Boris, let OAPs eat dog food. Quite sure he didn't really say that, but uh, you never know with Boris. Katie Piper, my baby Joy, and the flight which crashed in the middle of the Indian Ocean with no survivors has been confirmed. So, in other words, so an expert has said, this is where it crashed, and we go, OK, that's fine then, is it? That's it. I want a bit more concrete proof, as indeed, I should imagine, do the relatives of those people who were on it. They were told by text. They were told, terribly sorry, you know, your relative's dead doesn't become any more callous than that, does it, really? I mean, they've obviously handled this very, very badly as a PR exercise. Unfortunately, the uh, poor people on flight MH370, not just the families on there, what about the stewardesses? You know, do we know if the pilot was the person who deliberately crashed it? We have no idea. We have no idea. Not a clue. Anyway, I'm sure that as the day goes on, we will unravel a little bit more of what happened, because that's all people want to know, isn't it? That's all people know. And exactly the same of the family of a British teenager shot dead in Florida had moved there to follow the American dream. She was a model pupil, apparently. She had it all, and then she met a druggie, and um, and so she left a suicide. Now, what the hell is going on in the world today? Everything. We had a 15-year-old girl, didn't we? Shot the other day, uh, and the person charged... 
They've opened the uh, the box with the lobster, incidentally. So uh, so now we know what it looks like. But so a 15-year-old girl is shot, and on the television they say, oh, it's dreadful, her headmaster says she's a model pupil, and to all intents and purposes she was. And you think, what is she doing hanging around in a house where some idiot's waving a gun around? I must have come from a different time. I said in the office yesterday, to people, we were talking about it in the office, saying how times have changed for young people. In my day, you got out a photograph of your hamster and went, what do you think of that? That's my latest hamster. This is its cage and this is our garden. You didn't start brandishing handguns around, did you? I certainly don't remember anything like that. Great shame. 84850, steve at uk. I'm not a lover of lobster says little Julie, but good luck to Sam in the preparation of James. Has he taken it out of the box yet? Has he lifted it out? Have you seen it? Did you see it? It's, he's quite big, isn't he? I know, I, I think it's a, a fair size. Sam freaked out. I could see him going, oh my God. Has <laughs> it worried you even more now you've seen him? He really hates you. The lobster really hates you. I'm just telling you that now, because apparently somebody said to me that the last thing the lobster will see is your face. He will take your face with him to his grave. So as you're eating him with chips, <laughs> enjoy him. It's funny, isn't it, that? Isn't it funny how you can, you know, you, you just accept lobster. You go out, you buy lobster. You know, not necessarily, not necessarily fresh lobster all the time. And immediately, and we've all done the same thing, we've gone, oh, no. I suppose it's like, I think, when Gordon Ramsay... Didn't Gordon Ramsay re... Uh, lambs and turkeys as well and then they took them to the slaughterhouse and they watched them being killed and that's that's like field don't you know farm to field to table and they show you i think they actually took people i think you can actually find that on youtube and they will take you around a slaughterhouse and they show you from the moment the animals go in there exactly what happens and it would kind of put you off it would kind of put you off but halal fish that one we're not sure about. Uh, perhaps Sam will bring some of James in for you to sample tomorrow. I shouldn't think so, for an instant. <laughs> I'm not sure I want to. Uh, Simon says, uh, My girlfriend always brings home live lobsters. He's not here, actually. They're in the Dominican Republic. And she goes to the fishermen as they come in from work, gets them fresh out of the ocean. I hate touching them as they move. She takes them home, pops them in the freezer, after a few days boils them, cuts them in half and barbecues them. Yeah, I mean, that's what you have to do. Apparently, st- stick it in the freezer to calm it down before you K-I-double-L it. <laughs> We're just such a bunch of girls' blouses, aren't we, really? It's only a blooming, you know, like a fish. Nobody thinks about killing a fish, do they? I don't know, perhaps I do, actually. I, I, I couldn't kill a fish either. I'm not very good with anything like that. But luckily, there are people around who do it. And those people we love. And... Uh, Yes, it won't start flapping when it sits the boiling water, because when you put it in the freezer, it goes into a dormant state. Why can't there be a virtual black box in every airline recording everything on board? Well, now they know where it is. But, you know, because we've we've said this is a 5,000-square-mile search now, but a black box only transmits for about 20 miles radius, so they've got to get quite close onto it. Then, I'm assuming, we send more blooming ships out there, and we send a submersible down to see if they can find a bit of wreckage. That's what we're looking for. But then, if it crashed, if it blew up, does that mean everything was destroyed? I mean, I just don't see it's possible, unless it was the biggest bomb ever on board, and every single thing was destroyed on there. I just I just don't see it. Were people still trapped in their seats? After ten days, presumably, they will still be trapped in their seats. You know, that's, uh, it's, it's just ridiculous. Uh, halal fish means the fish is fried in a separate oil aside from pork products like saveloy 
In Islam, halal refers to anything permissible. It just doesn't apply to Islamically slaughtered meat. I've never, ever seen halal fish and chips. I've never even heard of it. Never even heard of it. Uh, Peter says, perhaps they sell fried chicken or burgers, sausages. Oh, right. That's the point. Never thought about that. Never thought about that bit. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, how much did the lobster cost you? I'll tell you that. It's private, isn't it? Private. It's a gift to the producer. You know, because he works hard. And uh, because I earn more money than he does. So, uh, that's it. He's not getting it all the time, believe you me. There'll be nothing between now and Christmas. He's had everything this year. Absolutely everything. It's also, I mean, like, I wouldn't mind, but it's my birthday. Not his birthday yet. He's had enough presents to last him a lifetime. A lifetime. Um, lobsters, apparently, in Thailand are two a penny. Oh, get us four, then. That'll be tuppence. It'll be nice. Huge lobster you can buy for a couple of quid. Already cooked, ready to eat. Lime, garlic and sweet chilli sauce as a dip. See, I've never eaten them. I've never eaten them. It did look very nice when I, when I brought in the one the other week. It looked lovely. And uh, he's gone slightly squeamish next door about the idea that he's actually got to, to kill it, cook it and eat it. But cooking it appears to be fairly quick. Ten minutes appears to be uh, top whack on that one, probably 15 minutes at the outside. And, um, and then just sort of splitting it half, letting the meat cool down. And then he likes it with chips. It's very common. Chips and lo- lobster and chips. I mean, I ask you. Uh, Boris. Old fools could end up in rusty Lamborghinis eating tins of dog food. He says the elderly should be trusted with pension cash. This is the Bojo warning after Cam said elderly should be trusted with pension cash. Boris has said it's their money. It should be up to them what they do with it. You know, if they want to eat dog food, eat dog food. They want to buy a Lamborghini, buy a Lamborghini. This is where, you know, you can start being rewarded for actually saving your money, which I quite like the idea of. Two teenagers have been arrested in London on suspicion of damaging a memorial to Stephen Lawrence. They're 18 and 19. They were kicking over a vase of flowers and spitting on the plaque. Do you know people like that are too stupid for their own good, aren't they? And uh, both were released on bail. Uh, Doreen, Stephen Lawrence's mother, goes there on a regular basis. Um, it, it's been attacked before, this memorial to Stephen Lawrence, and it's had to be replaced. I mean, you cannot understand the mentality of somebody who's so thick, can you, to actually go out and do something like that. They throw him in prison and throw away the key. Teach him a lesson. They're obviously too stupid to be allowed out on the streets without their mummies and daddies. So uh, let's put him in prison very quickly. Honestly, why would you want to do something like that? Why would you want to do, you know, something like that, to, you know, to the memory of somebody else's son? Not even anything to do with them. It's like, but why can't people mind their own blooming business? Terrible. Uh, where are all these aviation experts coming from? I don't know. We seem to have loads of them. Everybody's an aviation expert. But mind you, we are in the era of experts. So in other words, you know, if you want to find out if, uh, if anybody's sort of allergic to microphones, you could probably find an expert somewhere out there to go, oh, yes. We used to have years ago, a company used to come around to clean the telephones in the office. A little lady used to come around in a brown uniform and she would, uh, she would have little wipes and she would clean the telephone. And clean the headphones because there are more illness, or perhaps we've actually got better, but people used to transmit. If, you had, if somebody had an ear infection, you wouldn't want to be using the same headphones, would you? And a lot of people in this business use the standard headphones that are in the studio. We don't actually have our own. I do, but then they're, they're not approved for use on this system. So you end up with, with sort of a lot of people who use the same headphones. So in other words, if, if we actually get ill then there's a very good chance it's probably cut. But she used to go round and then put a little card on the phone saying your, your telephone's been cleaned by Doris or something like that. Coming up, the school in Yorkshire that's teaching English as a second language. 
It's 4.30 to be missed, Duncan Barks. Uh, and in fact, I now uh, precede him on a Sunday evening with my In Conversation, a repeat of the programme that goes out between five and six in the morning because it's Steve Allen on Sunday from six till eight. Very popular last week, very popular. Especially Kay Burley. She's turned into my official stalker, I believe. There's a lovely picture of a cash point machine. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly perturbed by it. It's one at Sainsbury's. And this one is so low down on the wall, you can only imagine an idiot put it there. Because it's even too low for wheelchairs. You have to crouch down in Nottingham to use this cash point. It doesn't quite make any sense to me. Um, Steve Drury says, I couldn't believe it. One man was squatting to use it. Poor guy must have done his back in. Sainsbury's insisted they've not received any complaints. Stupid company. I mean, if you look at a picture of it, who on earth has a cash point that low to the ground? It's literally about a foot above the pavement. I mean, what idiot? I mean, is that just some incompetent buffoon who works for Sainsbury's or the contractor who put these things? I've never heard of anything like it. It's ridiculous. Mind you, talking of daft, a high school is teaching all of its pupils English as a foreign language, even even British ones. City of Leeds School is taking the radical step to include the British-born students, along with the pupils who hail from 56 different countries, as their standard of English is so poor it's holding them back. In their exams, last year, only one in four Year 11 pupils at the Inner City Comprehensive achieved five good GCSEs. So they're sort of starting all over again, improving their grammar and their spelling and trying to make it, you know, sort of better for them, I suppose. Uh, all sorts of pupils there. The head teacher, Georgina Cole, says half the children had come only to the UK within the past four years. Many are from uh, Czech, uh, Roma. Others have come from Africa, Europe, China, the Middle East and Asia. She said many of the pupils are not only new to English, but they're not literate in their own language. Well, there's a surprise. There's a surprise, ladies and gentlemen. That's why you get misspent youth hanging around on street corners. That's why you get people who commit crimes. You know, that's why you get people who go out carrying knives, because that's apparently their culture, and we have to put up with it. We have to put up with things like that. On the subject of lobster, again... Get down to the Big Easy in Chelsea on Monday night for lobster chips, salad and a margarita for 20 quid, says Winnie. It's obviously very common, this lobster and chips, isn't it? It's obviously something that, uh, that we, should, uh, we should be eating more of. That's what he had it with. Uh, imagine if Sam has a cardboard mask of your face and wears it as he plunges the lobster into the boiling water. The last memory, says Karen, will be you, Steve. I don't think so. I've already assured the lobster that it was nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. Is this the press conference that's going on at the moment? Do you want to take a little bit of it? This is the Malaysian Airlines news conference uh, talking about the uh, the downing of the plane. This is what they're saying at this moment. Assuring fully that nearly 1,000 family members heard the news from us and not from the media. Ever since the disappearance of flight NH370, Malaysia Airlines focus has been to comfort and support the families of those involved and also to support the multinational search effort. We will continue to do this while we also continue to support the work of the investigating authorities in the Southern Indian Ocean. Like everyone else, we're waiting for news from those authorities. We know that while there have, there have been an increasing number of apparent leads, definitive identification of any piece of debris is still missing. But after 17 days, the announcement made last night 
and shared with the families is the reality that we must face and we now must accept. When Malaysia Airlines received approval from the investigating authorities, arrangement will be made to bring families to the recovery areas if they so wish. Until that time, we will continue to support the ongoing investigation. And may I express my thanks to the Malaysian government and all those involved in this truly global search effort. In the meantime, Malaysia Airlines' overwhelming focus will be the same as it has been from the outset, to provide the families with a comprehensive support program. Through a network of over 700 dedicated caregivers, caregivers for each family, uh, uh, the loved ones or those on board have been provided with two dedicated caregivers. Um, and they provide care, support, and counsel to the families. We are now supporting over 900 people under this program and in the last in the last 72 hours alone we have trained additional 40 caregivers to ensure the families have access to ground the clock support. In addition, hotel accommodation for up to five family members per passengers transportation, meals, and other expenses have been provided since 8th of March, and that will continue. Malaysia Airlines have already provided initial financial assistance of 5,000 US dollars per passenger to each next of kin. We recognize the financial support is not the only consideration. But the prolonged search is naturally placing financial strain on the relatives. We are therefore preparing to offer additional payment as the search continues. This unprecedented event in aviation history has made the past 18 days the greatest challenge to face our entire team at Malaysia Airlines. I've been humbled by the hard work, by dedication, heartfelt messages of concern and offers of support from our remarkable team. We do not know why, we do not know how, we do not know how this terrible tragedy happened, but as Malaysia Airlines family, we are all praying for the passengers and crew of NH370. That's the Malaysian press conference at the moment. So they're offering $5,000. There's more money to come. They've trained up 40 people to deal with uh, the 900 people that they are dealing with. Uh, 5,000 doesn't exactly sound very much indeed. I don't know whether or not that's full and final compensation. I think there might be some more money to come. And they're now trying to counsel a lot of people. I don't think the relatives want that. 
I think what they want, they want some sort of proof. I don't, you know, if I was the person who was sitting here and I had a relative on that flight, I would want to see a piece of wreckage. I want to see exactly what happened. Did that flight blow up? Did it crash into the sea? Was it deliberate? You know, this this has dragged on and dragged on. And it's everybody else doing everything for the Malaysian government. They don't appear to be. All they're doing is holding press conferences, wishing the damn thing would probably go away. You know, if this hadn't been an aeroplane and just been sort of a natural disaster, I mean, they wouldn't have had this kind of coverage. But it's it's just been very slow. They're looking for some sort of outcome, some sort of closure at the end, so that the people who had loved ones on the flight, and for that, and we don't forget the stewardesses, I don't know, must have been at least 16 to 20 of them on board. Nobody's mentioned those. People just talk about the, the passengers. Very sad. Either way, I'm, I'm somewhat sceptical about the whole thing. I just feel as though they've just sort of tried to dispense with it fairly quickly. Almost a little bit too quickly. Anyway, going back to some of the other stories. I've got a gadget competition for you in a uh, moment. Apparently, Paul says it's well known that Linda McCartney used to regularly enter restaurants and buy all the live lobsters and then release them. Uh, right. Release them where? Can't release them into rivers. They're not freshwater lobsters. They're, uh, they're sort of lobsters from the sea. It seems a bit pointless because there's thousands of them. Must have taken the rest of her life to go round there and try and pick up pick up lobsters. Apparently, on, on a promenade in Whitstable, in Kent, you can get lobster with chips. Yes, I mean, I, I, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. It's probably, it, it, perhaps it's the new working-class food. I mean, at one time, the working-class ate uh, oysters, didn't they? Oysters were very cheap. Then all of a sudden, oysters went terribly posh, and now they serve them on a bed of ice. You go to Scots, you get a dozen oysters for £70 or whatever. It, I don't know what it costs. I don't know what dozen oysters would cost in Scots. In fact, we must get their, their menu up. It'll probably tell you how much a dozen oysters are, because they do all the fresh fish in town. That's not a, not a cheap place to go to. And then they, they serve them on a bed of ice with some, you know, a bit of cayenne pepper and, and also, um, what else do you get with them? Lemon and stuff like that. So, Scots restaurant menu, I think we're, we're, we're looking at. And then I could tell you how much they're actually charging at them. It'd be lovely to find out exactly. Wouldn't it be great this morning if you can find out? Oh, here you go. Uh, there you go. They've, they've got fried oysters, wasabi, cucumber and lime dressing. If you want uh, Jersey Rocks, I'm assuming they are, Jersey Rocks are, um, are they oysters as well? It sounds like it, doesn't it? Six of them is £16.75. A dozen is £33.50. If you want them from uh, Gillardine Special, they're £44.00. For their oysters, the most and that's the most expensive ones. If you want, unless you want the West Mercian natives number two, a dozen is forty-four quid. A dozen oysters, oh dear, not sure about that. How much is lobster? Here we go, lobster. There you go. Now you'll realise, lobster, grilled with garlic butter and seashore vegetables, forty-two pounds. Lobster thermidor, okay. Which uh, you don't even get chips. I bet you'd have to ask for. In fact, you'll probably find chips are an extra. Aren't they? Chips are an extra. But that's, that's a lobster thermidor, £21 or £42. Side orders would, would be chips. How much? Uh, wait a minute. How much? There, there we go. Chips, £4.25 in Scots. It's, I don't know if you've ever been to Scots. It is lovely. And a lot of very famous people go there. Perhaps we should get some caviar. I mean, I mean, I wonder really how much some of their uh, Ossietra is... With, with blinis and sour cream. I reckon 50 grams of that is... Wow. 160. However, they can do you 50 grams of beluga with blinis and sour cream. Come on, how much? Beluga caviar. The best from the Royal Sturgeons. £295. You don't get a lot for that. £295. Just as well, I'm not into caviar, isn't it? Where's their, where's their sort of... Where's fish fingers? 
Where's fish fingers? No fish fingers anywhere. How much is a bowl of soup in this place? There you are. Shellfish bisque, £8.75. Leek and wild garlic. They sort of leap out of the plate. With crab, £8.25. Oh, I don't know. So that's how much... Uh, so lobster, £42. It's amazing what the markup is, isn't it? You buy them for sort of, I don't know, seven, eight pounds, I suppose. And then by the time they've been grilled and cut in half and they've screamed their way through the kitchen, I just imagine most of the chefs must work with earplugs or something. But you've seen it now, haven't you? Did it look as you thought it was going to? Frightened you, didn't it, a little bit? What did you think it was going to be? Sort of, you know, wearing a little sort of Union Jack pants or something and go, Hi, I'm your best friend. <laughs> Aunt McPartland. Isn't it funny, we did this story the other day. Why on earth did the Express run it today? It's a bit old, isn't it? Um, attacked on a night out at the pub, the station house in Chiswick. A regular haunt. Not anymore, it won't be. It won't be going there in a hurry. Because these sort of yobbos, you know, sort of put him in a headlock. Perhaps they thought he'd go, ha, 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 really funny. No, no, no. I mean, I'd have got the mace out. I'd have sprayed them and had them down straight away. They've hosted dozens of programmes. And uh, they don't need that kind of... That kind of action from people. But there are certain bits of Chiswick which are, let's just call them, rough. OK? Do not assume that Chiswick, as in Barnes, is all terribly posh. It's not. Coming up in, uh, in a moment, I shall tell you, uh, I think, about um, about our gadget competition for today. And then Boris Johnson's unfortunate joke about the elderly. It's quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Certainly. It's 13 minutes to five. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is Early Breakfast, the 4am spikers. And on Sunday, we're a little bit later at 6am. Time now for the LBC Gadget giveaway. Yesterday, Valerie Bloom from Edgware correctly identified Louisa Zisman, first appeared on The Apprentice, and got herself a fabulous iPod docking system. Today... I've got a Samsung Galaxy Tab 3 to give away. Basically, it's the Android version of the iPad with all the great functionality you would expect from a top-class tablet. It could be yours by 6.30 this morning. So somebody will win the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3 today by answering this question correctly. On which, on which reality show did Will Young first appear? That's a tough one, isn't it? On what reality show did Will Young first appear? Text the word gadget... Then your answer and send it to 84850 to reach me by 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. So good luck for that. The Samsung Galaxy Tab 3. Very nice indeed. So Jimmy Tarbuck uh, in all the papers today. Uh, He's 74. Uh, These... uh, allegations went back to the 1970s. I mean, I've never anything so ridiculous in my entire life. These historical allegations... I can't remember last Thursday. How people sort of come up and say, oh, this happened to me in this particular particular day. He was held by North Yorkshire police after a tip-off from uh, Scotland Yard's Operation Utree Squad. The multi-million pound inquiry was set up to investigate the uh, alleged sex crimes of Jimmy Savile. Um, yeah. Kind of that opened the hornet's nest, didn't it, really? The allegations against Jimmy Tarbuck were entirely unconnected to Savile. The entertainer was arrested over a claim that he assaulted somebody in Harrogate in North Yorkshire. In all six complainants had made allegations that the Crown Prosecution Service decided there was not enough evidence to bring charges. They've been more than incompetent, I think, the Crown Prosecution Service. More than incompetent. I think they sit there going, oh, I'll put him in court. Yeah, I think that's what they do. I'd love to find out who's actually responsible for it. Is there an overall person? I suppose there must be. But anyway, um, 
neither the CPS or North Yorkshire Police named the entertainer in their statements. I mean, Tarby's had a television career that lasted more than 50 years. I spoke to somebody who was doing a programme with him. They were making a television programme. Obviously, at the time, he'd been questioned about this when they'd said, oh, somebody's made an allegation. And he went, what? What? Luckily, they have seen sense and said uh, no in exactly the same way they've done the same for Jim Davidson. But for that year, an absolute nightmare. For that year, an absolute nightmare where they don't know what's what's happening. Uh, you know, and it's, it's just uh, dreadful for them. Dreadful. Uh, the little lady in the brown uniform was the phonotas lady, says Jean. You're right, she was the phonotas lady. She looked a bit like a Norland nanny. S- similar kind of thing. Similar kind of thing. As a regular attendee at Billingsgate on a Saturday morning, the usual price for lobsters on the quarter stall by the public entrance, and uh, is and has been for the last couple of years a fiver. A creature next time, can I suggest, razor clams, which are sold live. No, we don't want any more live things. We definitely don't want live but, uh, so a fiver. Well, put it this way, th- this one's fairly big. It's a fairly big lobster, which is good. Um, and Tom in Canada says, yes, Steve, a whole plane simply cannot plunge to the bottom of the ocean without lots of wreckage floating up. Of course, there's going to be seats. There's going to be food. There's going to be cans. There's going to be all sorts. I mean, depending on whether or not it just plunged into the ocean or whether or not it was blown up. Either way, if it was blown up, then does that mean that the entire plane would be destroyed and all the people in it? Seems a bit pointless as nobody's come forward to claim responsibility, which is what we pointed out last week on the programme. I don't understand how these things can just drop out of the sky. It just doesn't make, doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, 84850, uk. Uh, somebody says, how come you're always making fun of other people's misfortune? You must learn how to spell, actually, really. And never say anything nice about people. Well, making fun of other people's misery is not funny. It's hilarious. What are you talking about? I thrive on other people's misery. The more miserable they are, the happier I am, Rosalind. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thrive on you, the, the fact that you're ancient and can't spell. I mean, that's an embarrassment, isn't it? Dear God, did you have a schooling? Dreadful. Oh, no, I love other people's misfortune and misery. Oh, God, yes. Oh, God. It's <laughs> the whole basis of the programme. We wouldn't exist without that. That's it. The more miserable somebody else is, the happier I am. The more, the more people I can get depressed, and the more we all laugh at them, the better. The better. Paul says, loads of halal chippies in Manchesterford. Nothing to do with fish, it's the chicken, the pizzas and the kebabs, they also said, as sadly, fish and chip sales only make up a small amount of their revenue. The phone cleaning company's name was Phonatas. They only stopped trading a short while ago. The first news agents I managed delivered their papers and magazines to the head office of Prince's Street in our city centre. So that's why, yeah, but the trouble is, you see, we have a fish and chip shop in Twickenham, but it doesn't do, I mean, I, th- I think it does do chicken. So they'd have to have separate oil, would they, for that? Ah, right, that, that would be it. But they, they, they don't do pizzas. Uh, Alison says, the low-down ATM is for anybody in a wheelchair. No, they, it's too low for people in wheelchairs. It's ridiculously low, this one. For anybody who can't stand... I mean, to be honest with you, it, when I looked at it, I thought maybe it's for midgets. Maybe, it, maybe it's for dwarves or something like that. So they, they go there and they don't need to sort of reach up for it. Perhaps it's, perhaps it's dwarves. I think it's unlikely. I think, I think they've just put it in the wrong place. Uh, and Paul says, you're right about Chiswick. My grotty neighbours moved there, thankfully. I feel sorry for their new neighbours. Doesn't James O'Brien like bragging about living there? <laughs> Has he got a new hobby these days? He does He does live Chiswick, I believe. He, I believe he lives in Chiswick. I don't know whether it's one of the leafy suburby bits or whether it's something else. I'm, I'm really not sure. 
I'm re- really not sure. I, n- I never worry about that. I always think it must be quite interesting, though, mustn't it? If, if I was that nosy, and I'm, I'm really not that nosy, to go round to everybody's address and find out where they, where they live and see, see what sort of place they actually live in, I think that'd, that'd be quite funny, actually. And um, little, little Julie P's good says, uh, you're, you're being gloriously wicked this morning. Well, she said wicker. It made me sound like I was caning chairs or something. But then she went wicked. Made me sound like a Dina Menzel. I was watching, and, and I can only recommend it because they're so good, Australia's Got Talent 2013. And two kids appear on there. Two kids who could be Chinese, Malaysian, and one plays the piano and one plays the violin. And I'm telling you, their their talent must have come from God. They are the most amazing kids I've ever seen. They don't have great personality, but they're, they're obviously striving for perfection. And they're young. They can't be any more than... Well, the one playing the piano looks about 10 or 11. He could be even younger. And the other one could be 12. They are absolutely brilliant. So if you really want to do yourself a favour today and you want to watch kids who are so talented that you sit there... Dawn French sits there like, uh, you are so good. Unfortunately, it's got Jerry Halliwell on there. She, she's a bit silly. And uh, not not particularly good judge. I, I don't know why they take so many British people to be judges on Australia's Got Talent. So type in on YouTube, Australia's Got Talent 2013, and these two kids will come up, and you will watch them, and you will watch them. At one point, they do a uh, theme from the Black Pearl, uh, which is, I think, in the final of the of the programme. They're so good. I mean, they are so good. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful and absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, more today on um, this. This was the story that we brought you yesterday about the man who had a fortune of five hundred million pounds, and he said, "I'm not giving it to the kids." He said, "I'm giving it all to charity. They can work, you know, like I had to work," which I thought was quite good. And we were echoing the sentiments of obviously all of you uh, when we said it'd be nice if Bernie Eccleston gives it all to a home for distressed llamas or something like that. So that his, his two daughters actually have to get off their bums and get out there and actually get a job. Because, I, 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 I mean, Paul McCartney, I think, has said exactly the same. He doesn't want to, you know, he, he wants to encourage his children to go out there and work in the same way that he went out there and worked. He's not going to give them free money. So I did think that Bernie Eccleston was wrong. I mean, to spend £12 million on a wedding was just almost sick-making, as far as I'm concerned. An obscene amount of money. Absolutely an obscene amount of money. But... As I pointed out yesterday, it's his money. He can do with it what he wants. If he wants to spend twelve million on a wedding to make his uh, his daughters look a bit better, then that's his business. It's not. But as long as they do it privately, as long as they do it and they don't rub our faces in it and go, "Oh look, we're so rich. We're having a, a marble bath, or we're having a chandelier made out of gold, cor- whatever it is." You know, we, people don't want to see that kind of thing. They really, really don't. Especially when you think to yourself, I mean, who's interested? Who gives a forex about blurred cars, you know, with adverts on the side whizzing round at 500 miles an hour? I couldn't care less. I've been to motor racing before. It's the most boring thing under the sun. It's only for dullards, but it makes an awful lot of money. An awful lot of money. Hence being able to spend £12 million on, uh, on weddings for, his, uh, for one of his daughters. I think one of them's got a, a £60 million house. And you think... But is she happy? The answer is no, they all look as miserable as sin. But the big question in the paper today, and I've, I did it yesterday, they must have been listening to this, uh, this, this programme, is there was a picture of Victoria Beckham out there because she's launching a flagship store in London. We're just so privileged and so exciting. And then she was there, Little Miss Misery. You know, she doesn't look happy all the time. 
which, of course, generally makes me fairly happy. And she's out there. But as one of the papers points out, they've got a picture of her with all her different outfits. Not one of them fits. Not one of them fits. She's buying outfits that are too big. You know why? Because if she was wearing an outfit that was in her size, you'd go, oh, my God, she's thin. Oh, my God, she's thin. And so they've done a piece where they've printed pictures of all these things, obviously to, to bulk her up and make her look a bit bigger. But I'm telling you, I've seen Victoria Beckham in the flesh, right next to me, literally within three feet of me, and she's thin. She's thin, thin, thin. So that's why I think she wears big outfits, to try and, you know, so people say, oh, you must eat more, dear, you must eat more. Uh, Rob says, the best is lobster chips and curry sauce and mushy peas. Oh, God. Not sure. Not not curry sauce. Not on lobster, no. I can understand mushy peas, but I don't do mushy peas. It's a very common thing to have, and I'm not a common person. I don't do mushy peas. My mother wouldn't have had things like that. The only mushy peas we had was when you tried to get them on the fork, if you'd had sort of fish fingers and chips. We wouldn't actually... Apparently you can buy a, a tin of mushy peas. Very working class. We didn't do working class in our household. We just had a yoghurt for pudding. <laughs> Which I quite... Sorry, what's the matter? Your dad has, so does he really? Well, there you go. Why am I not surprised? And uh, so anyway, we will we will tweet the picture of the lobster later. Mushy peas, I mean, I ask you. <laughs> There's certain other foods that I wouldn't eat either. Still to come on Steve Allen's Early Breakfast Show this Tuesday morning in London town. All the papers. It's also been revealed that Britain is facing an epidemic of agonising back lower pain. You know, back back pain, which is lower down your back which is agonising. I've had back pain before. It's the worst thing ever. There are plans to open up a pound pub. The pub which will sell halves of lager for a pound has been criticised by campaigners. Well, who in God's name would want to go to something like that? That's ridiculous. The woman who was so fat her organs almost collapsed and the gadget giveaway for today. We had Yesterday we had the story of the 22-year-old guy who died at 22 because he was 66 stone. From LBC, this is Steve Allen. All of that is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Good morning. Welcome along to the programme. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast. Today, the gadget competition. Your chance to win the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3 on the programme. The plans to open up the Pound Pub. I mean, those ridiculous idea I've ever heard of, where you can go and buy a half of lager for a pound. Well, I mean, the sort of people who are going to go to pound pubs are not going to be buying a half of lager, are they? This is not Coronation Street. Uh, the woman who was so fat, her organs almost collapse. And it's been revealed that we are facing an epidemic of back pain. It really is the worst pain you can ever know. That and toothache, I think, kind of are enough to kind of do you in. All of that and more between now and 6.30 this morning on LBC. Plus, believe it or not, water. Isn't it funny? I can remember distinctly. I remember when it happened. I was sitting in the studio and people were talking about buying bottled water. And we used to say, bottle, how posh. Bottle, how posh is bottled water? Bottled water? What's the matter with the tap? You turn on the tap, you drink. I haven't drunk out of the tap for best part of 20 years, I would think. And then they had, you, and you can buy this water here, Perrier, and, and, it's, and it's fizzy. And we just think, wow, that's very exciting. And then, then it was revealed that the fizz was put in. It was artificial. There was nothing sort of unique about it. And overnight, sales of Perrier went and vanished. And you can still buy Perrier. And then we had that Tainant, which was the Welsh water. It came in the blue bottle. That was nice. 
I should love. I should think that's quite nice because I used to go to Italian restaurants years ago. Where on the table they had an old wine bottle, gen- generally Matthias Rosé, with a candle, and the candle wax had dripped all over the uh, the, the bottle. I should think that'd be nice. And so I did buy at uh, some point in my career dripping candles. They were deliberately made so that they dripped different colours. It was all dipped in all different colours. So when it dripped. Now, I wouldn't have a, a you know, dripping candle anywhere near the place. But in those days, it was. I think, I don't know why I used to try and model the place on a cheap Italian restaurant. And uh, so not anymore. So dripping candles were very in. And then bottled water. Everybody went berserk for bottled water. I now go out and I buy bottled water. <laughs> Julie Peasgood said, how dare you diss mushy peas. I was named after them. <laughs> and we've gone all Christmassy. Every time I think of Julie Peasgood, I think of that with apple. I can't remember what the, what the candle was. And this year we've gone all Christmassy. <laughs> it's, it's make me laugh. Every time she'd come in, she'd look at me and I'd go, we've gone all Christmassy. Uh, anyway, nice to have you. You're up early this morning, aren't you? I like the idea that people are up very early in the morning. And at the weekend, of course, I'm here between six and eight on a Sunday morning with Steve Allen on Sunday. Uh, there's a cash point in Mill Hill, says Angela, that's so low you have to bend double. It's so positioned that if the sun shines, it's impossible to see the screen. Due to incompetent workmanship, I'm sure, as it seems unsuitable for wheelchair users too. Uh, Quality-wise, between Beluga and uh, Ozestra comes Severuga. You see, I mean, give it, I, I don't do caviar, I'm afraid. <laughs> Not because it's so expensive. It's just because it just doesn't interest me in the slightest. It really doesn't. Diana says the dish with which we always start every trip to France is delicious. Moule frites, which is mussels and chips. The standard way of serving the mussels in the uh, moules marinier sauce. In all cafes, restaurants and bars, you get a bucket of moules with a huge bowl of frites. Wonderful. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. Mussels and chips. See, when the producer said to me the other week that he'd had lobster and chips, and I thought, lobster and chips? It comes from Cambridge, so I'm assuming that was some sort of quaint Cambridge custom or something, like dancing around a fire going, ooh, like that kind of thing, you know, getting in touch with nature, you know, flat sandals and a caftan, and uh, everybody starts chanting. So, I, I mean, I don't know, because I haven't eaten lobster yet. I will, I will get round to it. I will get round. Susie and Epsom says, Marks and Spencer sell a prepared fresh lobster, no fiddly claws to deal with, just open and eat. We have it live in the studio this morning. He's really not looking forward to killing it. But I've said you've got to you've got to take a picture of it. You've got to take a picture so that we can have a have a look at what at what it looks like. He's he, he's sort of getting there, but not not. He's I mean now he's seen it. He's feeling a bit better about K I L L I N Ging it. And it's what I'm not saying it too loud. Yeah, the trouble is he doesn't know what I do for a living. He just knows that your name is Sam and you're going to be the one taking him home. When you lift that thing off and he looks at you with those eyes, you can see yeah, play of a podcast. Apparently, on a trip to New England, we were told, says Merle, that the pilgrims would not have to know what to make of the lobster as a delicacy. They considered it food only fit for pigs and bait. It's amazing how things have changed. Like, as I said before, oysters were for poor people. Rich people didn't eat oysters. I was reading the review. In the Strand, there is uh, a building next to the Adelphi Theatre, and I think it's called Gotti. I think it's called the Gotti Building. And it was named after the brothers who had it. There used to be a restaurant there some years ago, a long, long time ago. And I found early, early indications of a restaurant on that site where your, <laughs> where your soup was one and fourpence. One and fourpence for a bowl of soup. A dessert was like threepence or something like that. 
Very, very interesting. Anyway, so as the, the New England pilgrims only thought it was fit for pigs and bait, into the 19th century, boatloads of lobsters sold for pennies. Prisoners rioted at the prospect of yet another lobster dinner. Yes, oh, not lobster again. We used to have haddock at school. At prep school, they gave us haddock. I learnt to hate the smell of haddock, I'm afraid. Now I'm sort of quite into it, but I, I haven't had any for ages. That's not an indication, Stuart, that you should be getting haddock ready for me. At a special lobster dinner, we were given the instructions on how to take the lobster apart. Sam might find this helpful. Careful. Your lobster should be HT. What's that mean? What's HT? I don't know what HT. Does that mean anything? Hot. <laughs> it could be. From here on, it's important to dip everything in butter. Take hold of your lobster and twist off the claws with a nutcracker. Oh, he has, he has the nutcrackers. He's, he's bought the, the, the gift set. He's bought the gift set of the nutcrackers. Uh, now prepare to break off the tail by arching its back. Bend back the flippers and break them off the tail. Yeah, we watched that. We wa- that was the bit that frightened him a little bit because it, the, all the flippers on the tail were moving. And also you've got to be careful because it bends the tail underneath itself. But uh, you will discover when you take the tail off some green-looking gunge. That doesn't sound very exciting at all, does it, I'm afraid? Anyway, crack open the bottom sideways and you get at the main meat. Suck the meat out of the small claws as if they were straws. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't think he'll be doing anything like that any time soon, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Even Alan Dodgen's with us this morning. So what is everybody doing this morning? I'm sorry. So is it benefit day or something? Have I missed out on this one? No, if, in case you've missed it, we have a live lobster in the studio. This is a this is a treat for the producer, so he's going to have to K-I-double-L it later on today. And he's he's not, he, you know, and the matter here, he, he's trying to be brave, but I can see really deep down inside he's a little bit frightened by the whole thing. On the subject of back pain, John in Leeds says, I wonder if the increase in back pain has anything to do with the amount of time spent in front of a computer. Well, you might be right. You might be right. They do say, I mean, that's, that's eye strain, isn't it? But I can imagine if you're not sitting at the right chair or on the right chair, all our chairs in the studio are, they're not just ordinary chairs. They're, they're not orthopaedic. I don't want you to think we've got a lot of orthopaedic chairs in the studio. But they're designed to sit in for a long time because if you're a speech presenter... I can't just sort of do one link and stand up and go wandering around the studio. It's not like doing a music-based programme. I'm kind of stuck in the same seat for two and a half hours. In fact, always superglued, I think some might say. So they have to be supporting of your back. But you're right, it could be. I mean, I d- I've only ever had a bad back twice. And it was so bad. I mean, it was so bad. And that was when I discovered the delights of diclofenic which now they won't give me because apparently it can upset your heart and all sorts of things. But that was the best thing for back pain. It was a muscle relaxant. And it was, I mean, it was, it was the holy grail as far as I was concerned. I remember standing outside the doctor's surgery, clinging onto a lamppost because the pain ricocheted through your body. If anybody's listening who has back pain, I've got a friend of mine, John, at the moment. He's 22 or 4. And years and years ago, he played football at school and he did his knees in. His knees are now crumbling because he's got whatever it is. I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's his knees are crumbling. But he won't go and have it done because the, the doctors have said, you need to go and have surgery on them because they, they're turning all mushy and powdery. And so he has great difficulty getting out of bed. So when he gets out of bed in the morning, it can take him 15 minutes before he's got the strength to actually stand up. This is at 22. And I said to him yesterday... You've got to get it done, you know, go to the hospital and get it sorted out. They can, they can do knees now. And he said, no, nah, I'll be all right. I said, it's not going to repair itself. 
But they've said to him, you'll need to take three months off after you've had it done so you can rest your legs. And he's in agony. And it's just ridiculous. You know, another friend of mine had another problem a little bit lower. Well, sort of up and, you know, anyway. And, uh, and he's still in agony after having um, things taken away. You know, that's quite one. But uh, you've got to get these things sorted out. If you've got a problem, you go to the doctor. If you, if you, if you feel ill, you go to the doctor. That's what they're all saying to me. They said, if, if you get chest pains, come back. Come back, so I've got a spray. You know, I'm I'm well well catered for, well catered for at the, at the doctors, and thank the Lord for the NHS every day. Although family doctors are fueling the spread of superbugs by dishing out antibiotics, um, they say here that uh, some doctors dish because people go in there, and I've been as guilty as the next person because you can say things, can't you, to the doctor? You go, I was on blood thinning tablets after my stents were put in. I went on blood thinners. Uh, because my blood was, was thick and I wanted it thin to go through the stents and it was fine. The moment I, they started weaning me off the blood thinners, I started getting pains again. Well, I thought I did. I think it was a bit psychosomatic. And eventually, because there was a junior doctor, there was a locum on over Christmas, and I managed to persuade him to give me these things to make me feel a bit better. The only downside was having blood thinners. If you cut yourself, you bled. You bled forever because it was so thin. If it's thicker, your blood, it's, it's fine. Because I remember going in there and he actually gave it back to me. Then within in three months, the doctor had been through and revised my medication and decided that, uh, that I, I was coming off it. So, and that was the best thing. That was the best thing. Because uh, at the end of the day, it's very easy to become self-reliant on medication and tablets. I know some people have been on the same medication for years. Asthma sufferers. You know, Ventolin inhalers that they keep. And, and they've never had an asthma attack. The argument could be that it's because they've got the Ventolin inhaler. Bob says the lady that promoted mussels and chips was 100% correct. A fabulous dish when served fresh in France. And Steve, you need to get some lobster eaten. It's wonderful. Yes, I mean, I'm, I'm, I will eventually. I will eventually try. What I, I might try and do is get Stuart to do me one. And, uh, and then sort of try it. But I, I'm not sure I could eat a whole one. Just in case I don't like it. Just in case I don't like it. Coming up, the cult beer from Cornwall... That's conquering the world. LBC News Time, 5.15. Now it's your chance to be part of that battle. You can put forward your question for Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage on Britain's membership of the European Union. Go to our website, lbc.co.uk, and submit your question. One week to go before the LBC leaders' debate. No, it's not. It's, it's uh, Wednesday, isn't it? It's tomorrow. I've just realised. It's tomorrow. I know, because I got quite excited about the whole thing. Especially when somebody said there's, there's a bar there as well. It's live on LBC and lbc.co.uk tomorrow at 7pm. It's first on LBC, truly leading Britain's conversation. So that's uh, tomorrow. So do nothing. Do nothing. That's the, uh, that's the advice from me. Uh, Kermit, uh, the frog, they were in Leicester Square the other night <laughs> promoting a new film. I think they're coming in here today. They're not talking to me, but I believe Kermit and Miss Piggy are coming in. Bizarre, isn't it? It's a puppet. And uh, Jimmy Tarbuck has said he's been the victim of false and malicious claims after learning he will not be prosecuted for historical sexual offences. I don't think anybody ever believed anything of Jimmy Tarbuck at all. He's been in the business for ages. He's been, you know, from his his uh, Sunday night at the London Palladium to uh, the Cheeky Chappy to, you know, working with the Beatles. Tom Jones is his best friend. And then, and then some boy comes forward and everybody's going, What? You know, it was just, it was, it was almost ludicrous just to be laughable, I'm afraid. He says, life is now very good. I'm having a bowl of pasta with my missus and a bottle of white wine. We're totally relieved. It's been a, been a long time. His daughter Lisa, the whole family have rallied round. Uh, but for a year, this has been hanging over him. 
Last month, of course, you remember Bill Roach was cleared of rape and indecent assault. Uh, Dave Lee Travers was cleared of 12 indecent assaults, but was later told he'll face a retrial on two charges. It's almost as if, you know, they're, they're sort of, it's, it became like a witch hunt. I think after the Jimmy Savile debacle, and we realised how incompetent everybody was over it, that things were going on that quite clearly nobody was aware of, they then started thinking, oh, wait a minute, perhaps this is rife. I should imagine, and I said, you might as well go through the whole music business. You know, I should imagine that's rife, all these people in bands. There must have been all sorts of groupies all over the place. So I'm, uh, I'm, just, I'm just relieved, I think, for Jimmy Tarbuck, and, uh, and all his friends will be as well. Uh, Dom says, uh, when some animal rights activists found out that Restaurant New York was offering to serve a massive £20 lobster, they rushed to save it. It seems a ridiculous thing to do, since lobsters are born to be delicious. But then they, they pointed out that this one could be 140 years old. They did bring out a huge lobster from the ocean once. Absolutely enormous. And they worked out exactly how old it was. And I remember thinking, you know, if something was ever that old, it's earned the right to... Li- did it not go and... Did they not save it? And did it not get put in an aquarium because it was so... Hu- you can imagine. I mean, even on the thing that we've got next door, you know, it's... It, you look at the claws and you think, if they weren't tied up, this thing would be taking your finger off. You know, once they're clamped on, they don't let go. They really don't let go. So, uh, it's, I mean, I can understand how, how scary that is. I find the whole thing fairly scary anyway. So I shan't be doing it, but the producer will be plunging it into the boiling water. Then just leave it. And it takes about ten minutes. They seem to cook fairly quickly. Seem to cook fairly quickly. Uh, poor old Emma Watson. She's in the paper state. Why? Why do you think Emma Watson is complaining? She's got a fortune estimated at around uh, 20 million. She's 23 years old and she's moaning. What is she moaning about? The fact that she can't get adult roles. They see her still as Hermione, I think. And it's, it's a shame, really, because that's what she's... It's, it's, uh, uh, I've always likened it to Anton Deck. Anton Deck will always be, in the public's mind, the two kids from Biker Grove. No matter how much older they look on the television, how much older they tell you they are, they are still in our minds. We are stuck back to when they were 15, 16, 17, 18, and they will not grow older. They tried remaking the lively lads, the likely lads with them, the lively lads, they were fairly lively, uh, the likely lads, and that didn't work. It didn't work as a programme, because I think we know them as Ant and Deck. I mean, how many times they try and tell us they're not Ant and Deck? We know they're Ant and Deck. And so that's why it's, it's very difficult for them to move on. So I, I do worry slightly about poor Emma, because she's in that same situation the same situation, which means that nobody's going to allow her to grow up. And if they don't allow you to grow up, you kind of get stuck in a, in a, in a time warp. And that's, I think, where she is at the moment. Diana says, I love Chiswick. This is where Ant McPartland was uh, not mugged the other day because he, he knew the people. They'd been banging on the window of the restaurant. The story was, in case you missed it yesterday from LBC, he's out in a restaurant, which he goes to a lot. He's sitting in the window. Some people go past. They go, uh-oh. There's Ant, bang on the window. All right, mate, all right. He's eating with his, with his mother and an aunt. And then they take it a bit further and they start, you know, sort of, you know, doing various signs and things like that. Oh, you're a so-and-so. Then they start filming him. Oh, look, it's Ant. So he goes outside just to say, listen, lads, you know, I'm having, I'm having something to eat with my mother and my... They put him in a headlock. His mother sees this, rushes out. They push her to the ground. You know, there are some very stupid people out there. They'll be caught on CCTV. But anyway, so uh, that, that was the story from, from yesterday. Diana loves it. There are numerous 
uh, shops in the very long high road. There's a great veg, fruit and uh, one pound stall. Uh, my friend and I often meet for lunch in the Sainsbury's over there. We had delicious egg and chips yesterday. My favourite meal of all time, egg and chips, with, with, um, with some fresh bread and butter. Paul in Cheshire uh, has come up with uh, the reason Evian is so expensive. It is the word naive backwards. Thank you. Bottled water is ideal, Steve, for washing down mushy bees. Don't. I can't bear, bear the sound of mushy bees. And Rhoda says, I saw dirty, rotten scoundrels in London last night. Robert Lindsay and co. The lovely Robert Lindsay. Uh, everything. Songs, script, wonderful. Received a standing ovation. Highly recommended. Well, we always like to recommend shows. And then Carol is in Lincolnshire. Thank you very much indeed for the compliments. I won't read them out. It's far too, far too embarrassing, I'm afraid. And, um... <laughs> somebody says, I've just taken Steve Allen's advice and looked up Oscar and Joshua Han. This is on YouTube. The two little boys on Australia's Got Talent 2013. I promise you, you look at and you think they're quite clearly absolutely, you know, ab- absolutely sort of on, on the money on this one. They're so perfect. Uh, Phil says the lobster seems to be getting celebrity status. Will you be doing an, uh, a conversation with it? Do you know to be, I wonder what it would say if you could really talk to the animals. Help. <laughs> That's what my one's saying. And uh, apparently, if you don't like caviar, you can order some for your friends. There is the Exmoor Caviar Company Limited. I did have caviar once. I did have it once. It was very kindly bought for me by a very famous lady whose husband was very, very famous. Well, I'll tell you who it is, actually. It was Lady Grade. Years ago, Lady Grade, uh, big listener to LBC, big listener. And she uh, she heard me talking about going to the Royal Albert Hall. Well, the grades have a box there. And I wanted to go and see Phil Collins. And I think I was moaning on the programme that you can't get tickets. Anyway, she phones up and she says to my producer, she said, it's Lady Grade here. So, of course, you always take it with a pinch of salt because it might not be. And she said, you can have my box at the Royal Albert Hall. And so we had uh, a ten-seater box. And when we get there... There's, there's a buffet laid out for us. There was caviar, coffee, bottles of wine, volivants. It was, it was absolutely charming. I mean, absolutely charming. And afterwards, I said to my, my producer, uh, Dave Burge, I said, um, wh- how do we thank her? I said, it's not really a lot that you could buy the grades. You know, very successful family. And so we sent flowers. And then I heard from somebody a short while ago. They said, you know, she's listened for years. I said, you know, there's quite a number of people out there who, when I bump into them, they go, I've been listening to you for ages. It's like Kay Burley on Sunday. It was, it, it was like being groped by an octopus. She came in the studio and she sort of flung her arms around me and sort of smothered me with kisses. And I'm thinking, oh, God, there'll be a picture in the paper. We've got, you know, the managing editor of The Sun in here, Stig Abel. There'll be a picture of Steve and Kay Burley. And uh, she said, I feel like I've known you for years. I said, well, I have that effect on people, you know. I should have said the same, actually, shouldn't I? But I think it always sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? You know, I've grown up watching you on the television. It doesn't quite sound the same, does it? That's not as complimentary. So I just smiled sweetly. Uh, 84850. David says, why are you buying lobster? That's only for posh people. You aren't posh. You're common like the rest of us. It's not for me. I'm not eating it. I'm not eating it. It's going to the common person next door. um, I'm not eating the thing. If I'm eating stuff like that, let them eat... Let them eat whatever. <laughs> but no, no, I wouldn't... I mean, I would like to eat it. But I just... I can't quite bring myself to do it, I'm afraid, at the moment. Uh, I'm sure at some point I will get round. <coughs> Sorry. Um, the one thing that I used to like 
years ago, and, and we see it disappearing all the time, and it's only through people like Kevin the Milkman that keep alive the fact we've got milk bottles. I used to love egg cartons. Cardboard egg cartons. They're disappearing. Cardboard egg cartons. Are di- what were they turning into? Plastic. Plastic egg cartons. It's not the same. You cannot beat an, an egg... You could do so many things with it. You could watch Blue Peter and turn it into just... Just interesting things. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. But it was it was lovely. And so now they're saying that they're all disappearing. And unfortunately, it's going to be plastic in future. And and that's the way that you're going to have to, to suffer with it, I'm afraid. Uh, so if everybody else is enjoying Oscar and Joshua Han, then uh, go, go to YouTube. Australia's Got Talent. Uh, apparently... The best and most natural way to thin your blood is cider vinegar. I don't need to thin it now, actually. I'm quite happy the way it is. Dave in Bristol says back pain is mild compared to gout. I've suffered both, and the latter is far more excruciating. Jules says, tell Sam to put the lobster in warm water. No, no, it's, uh, we're doing it the way the professionals are doing it, and they, they do it. You put it in the freezer... You leave it there for about 15 minutes, which chills the lobster down. It's a live lobster. And then you take it out, plunge it into the boiling water, and and then you do it for 10 minutes. You take it out, you check that the water comes off the head and it's dry, and then you plunge it into cold water. You don't put it in warm water and turn the heat up. That's that's wrong. That's that's a slow, agonising death. That is the worst way to do it. One person wrote it and said, oh, you have to put it in warm water. No. No, that's like somebody putting you in a, in a cauldron and then just turning up the heat slowly but surely, and so gradually you boil. No, 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 no. You want to go for instant kill, I'm afraid. And so once you've actually done that, then you stick the knife in the top of it and then cut it down the middle. And then if you so desire, after it's cooled down, you cover it with, uh, with cheese and things like that and pop it under the grill. I can't remember if that's lobster thermidor, if I've just made that up. It's probably a load of old rubbish, I'm afraid. Uh, still to come... The £2,000 fraud of the women bosses who mixed with royalty and ministers. We name and shame. Timothy West is in the papers this morning saying that old actors are sidelined on soaps. But is he right? It's 5.30. More guff than you can shake a stick at, ladies and gentlemen. 27 minutes to 6 Tuesday morning. It's, getting, it's definitely getting colder. I don't care what anybody says. I'll tell you what the the weather is in uh, in one second. No, I'll tell you now, actually, while I'm here. Cloudy, cold, rain or showers. Well, whoopee do. That's for Tuesday. It's not, not very good, is it? Uh, outbreaks of rain. I mean, some areas of the country will have drier, brighter weather, but mainly speaking, I'm afraid it's wet all the way through. And tonight, showers locally, heavy, will clear westwards. Dry and clearer conditions already across eastern areas will follow. And for Wednesday, dry initially, sunny spells, fog clearing, and then surprise, surprise, back comes the blooming rain again. And for Thursday to Friday... Thursday, sunshine and sometimes heavy and thundery showers, then drier. Friday will start dry and then outbreaks of rain persisting into Saturday, feeling cold in the brisk wind. Couldn't have felt as cold as it did yesterday when I left the building. God, dear, it was absolutely freezing. Absolutely freezing. Uh, The LBC Gadget giveaway. The LBC Gadget giveaway for today, after Valerie Bloom from Edgware correctly identified that Louisa Zisman came from The Apprentice. She got the fabulous iPod docking system. So today, the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3 to give away. The Samsung Galaxy Tab 3 is basically the Android version of the iPad with all the functionality you'd expect from a top-class tablet. Could be yours by 6.30 this morning. So one lucky listener will win the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3. But you need to know the answer to this question. On which reality TV show... Did Will Young first appear? On which reality TV show did Will Young first appear? To enter, 
text the word gadget, G-A-D-G-E-T, then your answer, and send that to 84850. Make sure it goes to the right place. So it's gadget, then your answer on which reality TV show did Will Young first appear. So you text gadget, then the answer, and then you send that to 84850 before 6.30 this morning. Text costs £1.50, plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions are online at lbc.co.uk. So good luck, because that's uh, that's a very, very nice prize to have, and you can either keep it for yourself, or failing that, you can uh, you can share it with, with somebody else. Uh, very quickly, let's do some more of your uh, texts and emails. Uh, a great show, as usual, says Stephen Oxford. Enjoying it more since LBC went national. He says, uh, I jumped on to send an email and my mouse didn't want to work, so I opened it up to clean and bits flew out everywhere. He said, I can't figure out how to put it back together. Um, throw it away and buy another one. That's what I always think. There's no point in keeping these things, are there? I mean, I, I, I got the thing the other day that said, oh, you need to change the batteries in your keyboard. And so I, uh, I thought, oh, well, I can't really be bothered. And I didn't have, actually, um, I didn't actually have any spare batteries at home. Sorry, what? Something's been delivered for me. Not another Not another lobster. It's not another... Please tell me it's not another lobster. I don't think I could cope with more fish arriving in. <laughs> could be quite funny. Back pain is dreadful, says David in Crouchen. Uh, but kidney stones, as you see, everybody's now trying to find what is the, uh, the thing that gives you the most pain. I'll tell you what I think... It's the, the one thing that really annoys me, if you are slightly overweight, slightly overweight, is when you go out for dinner, and because I'm on this injection, I'm not eating as much. Well, in theory, I'm not eating as much. And you go out and you think, oh, I just feel bloated. It's that bloated feeling. All you want to do is you just want to have a zip down the front, open your stomach up, take all the rubbish out, throw it to one side and zip yourself up. Because having read the story about the 66-year-old boy the other day, and I say boy because he was 22 and he just kept eating. And what was he eating? Pizza. Pizza. He couldn't get enough pizza. And I spoke to a friend of mine yesterday and how, who had two pizzas over the weekend, two lots of Chinese takeaway and, uh, and a kebab. And I thought, oh, no. It's just all wrong. Pizza is so fattening. But anyway, kidney stones. I had to have five operations for kidney stones between Feb 2010 and May 2011. And the night I had to call an ambulance, I was climbing the walls. Most excruciating pain I've ever had, apart from toothache. I remember having toothache. I've not had toothache, obviously, for, for some, years, some years now. Mainly because I don't have any of my own teeth, I don't think. There's not that many left. So bridge work and crowns and all the other usual things. And, uh, and I, had, I woke up one night with this awful toothache. And you ended up banging the tooth. I remember finding a pair of pliers and banging the t- to take away the pain. Which, of course, was ridiculous. Because you couldn't, couldn't take away the pain. Because the reason that you get toothache is because you've got um, an abscess. And it's the pressure. You need to have the abscess drained. And if the abscess is drained, well, then at least you can uh, you can sort of sort things out. Oh, that's nice. That food. It's a cake, isn't it? I can tell it's a cake. Oh, blimey. That's nice, isn't it? Oh, I know who that's from. I know exactly who that cake is from. Yes. Lovely. This is from Fish Central. Look at that. A couple of little calories in there. A couple of little calories. That's very nice. Very nice indeed. Thank you very much indeed, Fish Central. That'll keep them happy later on. They love a cake. They get very excited about cake in this building. If you just say there's some cake upstep, whew, they're straight away. Can't get enough of it. Uh, on the subject of uh, 84850, uh, both you and your producer are being reported to LPS, the Lobster Protection Society. Yes, I'm sorry. It's going to be eaten. 
Well, I've said we're having to do it fairly quietly. You know, we try to do it as humanely as possible, I'm afraid. Uh, 84850, Steve at lbc.co.uk. John, I absolutely agree with you. I won't read that out because it's, um, because I, it's not very appropriate, but I absolutely agree with you. Absolutely agree. They're, 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 they're looking for something, aren't they? They're looking for something. Uh, another one here, very quickly, very quickly, just before, because we've got the... On the subject of, um, of uh, Ant and Deck, I saw them, says Frank, uh, in a pub at Strand on the Green. Oh, that's where they live. Houses there are worth a pound. Nobody bothered them that part of Chiswick, glad to report. No, I mean, people who go to Strand on the Green. I've got a producer who goes to Strand on the Green. And, in fact, I think James O'Brien has been there as well. Nobody bothers people. If you see celebrities on a regular basis in a pub, nobody bothers them. I told you the story. We went down to Essex and somebody said, oh, Rod Stewart drinks in this pub. I went, yeah, right. And lo and behold, Rod Stewart turns up. And I've been out to loads of places. I mean, I remember we were sitting in, in, a, in a lovely place in, in the middle of Epping which isn't there anymore. Hopefully they're going to resurface somewhere else. And Jade Goody walked in. Admittedly, not, not exactly the kind of level I was looking for, but it's exactly the same thing. It says somebody you've seen on the television because they've got a high visibility profile. And, uh, and Peter says, my wife has just triumphantly completed assembling our trip to Australia to visit our daughter, which is lovely. He said, you've guessed it, Malaysian Airlines. I'm feeling distinctly wobbly at the moment. This is, I mean, I don't think that their PR department has, has actually worked very hard at all on this one. They should have done it better. They seem to have upset the relatives, some of whom the Chinese ones threatened to go on hunger strike. People were always saying, oh, you know, this should be done. Why was this not done? And then magically, halfway down the line, halfway down the line when we've sent out 19 planes and the ships and there's everything else going there because they think they've seen a bit of debris, then they get there and discover it's not debris. I mean, it could have been anything, could have been anything. Now they say, actually, it did come down, but it's, it's over here. It's in this 5,000 square mile area. And so everybody goes, oh, that's OK then. They've obviously found it. No, they haven't. They haven't found it yet. So I'm assuming now they've narrowed the search down. What the people want, it's no good sending it a text to somebody whose relative was on that flight saying, uh, terribly sorry, but there's no hope the, the plane went down. They don't know. They don't appear to know this. They haven't found it yet. So until they find it, until they produce some wreckage, I'm not buying into this story, I'm afraid. I want some more concrete proof. I want some more concrete proof. I want them to take these ships there. They've had enough time to get there now. And uh, we're still faffing around with it. And we're not, we're not sort of going anywhere. And that's what's so, so annoying, I'm afraid. So, so annoying that, you know, these people want, want closure. Ricky Gervais, Steve, looks completely relaxed being with the Muppets. Yes, I think... <laughs> what are you saying? Poor old Ricky Gervais. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. All this levity regarding lobsters makes me sick. They have a complex social bonding and pair up for life, which makes them superior to a Jeremy, Jeremy Kyle guest. Yes. Have you seen the, the picture of the terms of lobsters hanging onto each other as they walk across the floor? But when you watch the extreme fishing programmes, of which I do have on DVD, I then gave them to my brother because I couldn't believe anybody would be that mad to go out into the Bering Straits and attempt to catch lobster and crab. And literally, the, the oceans are crashing over them. The little ship is being thrown around. It's, I mean, it's, it's just far too dangerous to actually go out there. And they bring back these lobsters, pack them in ice... And then we eat them. I don't know what the, what the figures are of eating lobster in this country, but obviously it's healthy. I think any shellfish is healthy for you. In fact, most fish appears to be very healthy. Still to come, why taking the iPad to bed could make you gain weight. But here is the story of the, the fraud of the women bosses who mix with royalty and ministers. 
Uh, they rubbed shoulders with uh, the Chancellor. They shook hands with the Queen at Buckingham Palace. They were praised for helping people find work. This is uh, Kavita Jangal and Ranjit Upeli. Uh, these businesswomen had been busy masterminding a sophisticated scam. They're a pair of old fraudsters. I'm afraid. They stole £200,000 of taxpayers' money. What they did, they co-founded a company called Simply Recruitment, a company that claimed to help adult learners improve their job chances. So they they were then given Outstanding Women in Business of the Year award. Uh, Then they turned up meeting the Queen at the Asian Women of Achievement. They're a pair of old crooks. That's all they are. They're swindlers. They turn up at Buckingham Palace. They mix with Gordon Brown, George Osborne, David Cameron. And all they did... They just scammed money from the government-funded Quango Learn Direct. It was obviously quite easy. They devoted their time to faking training. When uh, when New Scotland Yard and the Metropolitan Police's fraud squad were alerted, because they had a number of high-level passes, and they suddenly realised, this is a pair of old cheats and old crooks. And here they are, you know, here's our award, Asian Business Women of the Year. No, fraudsters, ladies and gentlemen. Pictured with George Osborne, meeting the Queen. Good God, they don't vet these things. Wasn't it when the Queen was going up the Thames for something a short while ago with Paul Prince Philip had to stand there freezing himself to death? There was, a, there was a businessman on there who turns out to be a bit of an old fraudster as well. But I think he had even more dark secrets. So um, this uh, fraudulent behaviour has now been stopped. And uh, Learn Direct says, we're very pleased with the outcome of the case. One of them's been sent to uh, prison uh, for a year and has had to pay £120,000 back. It's dreadful, really. But the the ringleader, Sandeep Jethwa, admitted the same charge in January. Oh, dear. So they admitted conspiracy to defraud, handed suspended jail terms of nine and six months. Pair of old fraudsters. You want to go round there and take everything away from them, don't you? Wherever that television, you're a fraudster. Standing there smiling. Good. Dear, it drives me mad. Here's me being, you know, terribly good and paying me tax and everybody else, and there's other people out there who are just cheating people. Coming up, Boyzone. Wait for this. Boyzone. I don't want to throw the name into the equation too quickly. But which member of the group is looking distinctively different nowadays? LBC News Time. It's 5.45. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 6, so get your entries in for the competition. Neil wrote me a very funny story, and it's very apropos to yesterday. He says, a funny thing happened. As a friend and I were driving to my good friend Keith's funeral today, this was yesterday, as we approached the crematorium and turned the corner, there were hundreds of people lining the streets with flags and banners and lots of police. And I said to my pal, surely Keith didn't know this many people. Because they were all there, and, they were, and they, were, they were clapping the hearse and all the rest of it. He said, uh, we didn't realise, he said, it was the same time and place as the funeral of Bob Crow. He said, now, Keith had a great sense of humour. He'd have absolutely loved what happened next. So as the hearse drew along the road, lined with all the people, they all began spontaneous applause, thinking it was Bob Crow. Of course, it wasn't. He said, sometimes when you're down in the mouth, the funniest things can happen. So we took a picture of all the people standing out there. Yeah, good. On. And, of course, it was his friend Keith's funeral. <laughs> How funny, honestly. How funny. Oh, the things that things that go on. I was more surprised, actually, that Bob Crow wasn't married. He, he had a partner, but he was only 52. It's nothing, is it, really? 52. Good grief, honestly. And uh, I was at a brunch, says Michael, last uh, Friday in Dubai. He said, and I ate three lobsters. Del- you didn't eat three. Is it possible to eat three lobsters? Is that... Oh, the producer thinks it is possible. Or wouldn't they be langoustine? Would that be with chips again? Yes, of course. Or if you skip the chips... 
How interesting. A brunch in Dubai and had three lobsters. I suppose if you really enjoy stuff like that. You see, I like scampi. I realise that, you know, scampi's not quite the same, but sometimes it is, it is lobster tail, isn't it? Uh, why should taking the iPad to bed with you make you gain weight? I thought mainly it was, it was sort of, you know, it, it would be something to do with the fact that you spend so much time... Oh, I don't know. No, I didn't think that at all. Actually, I've changed my mind. I'm going back again. Anyway, stimulation from electronic devices was found to lead to a lack of sleep that triggers health problems where the body is less able to uh, metabolise sugar, control food intake and maintain energy balance. So now they're calling on doctors to prescribe a good night's sleep to prevent disorders, including growing numbers of cases of type 2 diabetes. There are more people now who have got type 2 diabetes who probably aren't aware of it. We're not aware of the fact that you have a chronic illness. You have something that needs to be managed by medication because you could die. I'm not going to, you know, make it any more dramatic than that. But unless you manage your diabetes, it's like people with colitis and Crohn's. They need to take their medicine to uh, to monitor the the illness that they've got. And if you're a diabetic or if you're not aware or you're putting it to the back of your mind, thinking it's going to change your life, yes, it will. It will absolutely change your life. You will have days, if you don't take medicine, of feeling ill. You'll have days where, you know, you don't feel like doing anything. You become a little bit lethargic. You can sometimes become a little bit lightheaded. There's all sorts of problems associated. Your eyesight can be affected. You might end up having to have either a toe or, God forbid, a foot amputated. It's quite common for a lot of diabetics to lose their, their toes. I know, my, I, I see people all the time now who say to me, thank you for talking about diabetes on the programme, because as a result of listening to you, I went and got it checked. And then it was confirmed that I was diabetic. I said, always get it checked. If, you're, if you, you have excessive sweating, if you're overweight, if there's a history of diabetes in your family, if you're, uh, if you're the sort of person that gets up to go to the loo about ten times in a night, there's a very good chance you've got diabetes. And the sooner they put you on either tablets or insulin, the better you will feel. It is possible. You can get it all sorts of times. Some, some young, young people get it a little bit later in life. I didn't get mine till, till a few years back. But now I'm, I'm managed, as they say. Not a particularly good person. Uh, we will tell you about Boris and let them eat dog meat. Let them eat dog meat. I can't believe Boris would say something like this. But then I, I love Boris to pieces. Did you never partake of mushy peas at the chip shops in Burnage, along with steak and kidney puddings and fish and chips with gravy, says Paul? No, I didn't. I could never understand why anybody in their right mind would ever want to go to a fish and chip shop and put gravy on your chips. Down at the uh, the markets, they have curry sauce. Curry sauce on top of chips. Sounds delicious, doesn't it? I must be honest, we go for that now. Curry sauce and, and chips and lobster. Not really. I thought of you yesterday, says Paul, as I walked through the park to go shopping. The wind changed and the smell of biscuits baking from a certain factory on the Stockport Road attacked my nostrils. A number of folk there remember you but swear you'd be well over 40 by now. Strange that. Not possible, is it? Well, it can't be me they're talking about. It's the sort of thing people worry about. Ooh, Steve Allen must be over 40. Um, and Steve says, I agree with you. This is about, about the, uh, the mouse. He says, I wish I could go out and replace things when things like that happen. I wish I could afford to. They're not very expensive, are they, though? I mean, I don't, I don't know how expensive mice are. We, have, we get our ones cleaned. I always sort of just... <sighs> on the bottom, that tends to sort it out to get the hoover out. But if you've dismantled the thing, and I didn't think you really need to... Sometimes my ball used to fall out on the table. Sometimes I'd be sitting here and I'd pick up the, the mouse and all of a sudden the ball would fall out. I don't know how it was actually in there in the first place, but I used to get quite worried about thinking, oh, I've obviously broken it. And that, but that, so far, touch wood, the computer's still working this morning. So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm smiling, as they say. 
happy birthday to Jacob, the Mad Warburton's driver. Uh, I think Miss Watson, says Tom in the Peckham, will therefore accept a role when she gets her kit off. Yes, I, I don't think you're going to sort of hold your breath waiting for that one anytime soon. Some people do it, don't they? They think that it's an integral part. I think it's just directors who like to see how many people they can get with their clothes off. Uh, 84850, Martin says, if I were lucky enough to glimpse you in public, well, you wouldn't, uh, would you prefer to be to ignore you or pay homage? Neither, actually. Neither, actually. I'm quite frightened by the fact that you look as though you're a stalker already. Uh, don't panic, Steve. Don't panic. My free-range eggs are still in cardboard boxes. This is from Kevin the Milkman. I'm so traditional, I could almost be called quaint. He says, good morning to the newest member of the team, young James the Lobster. Hope you enjoy the show. Why not join us again tomorrow? Other plans, eh? I know. That's very cruel, actually. That's very cruel. <laughs> Don't like people telling us. And uh, Brian in Q says, it's the big 5-0 for me next week. 50. Breakfast at Annie's in Chiswick. Into town. Dinner. In the Shard. Oh, that's a very nice thing to do. Finishing with a trip to see Billy Elliot. Love it. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, and says, where would you recommend to visit during the day in town? Oh, the t- oh, I don't know. I'll tell you what I would do. I'll tell you what I would do, because I think it's something... It's not the cheapest thing you'll ever do, but it's quite nice. You can get a cup of tea as well. Do a riverboat cruise. Take a- Become a tourist. Do what you always swore blind you would never do. Become a tourist for the day. You know, take either a bus tour or take a riverboat cruise. The riverboat cruise is great. You go down, you see the prospect of Whitby, the oldest pub that we've got. They'll point out the places where people used to be hanged. People were put in chains and the tide would come in and they would drown. And uh, they would hang the pirates and stuff like that. Go all the way down to Greenwich, get off at Greenwich, walk round Greenwich, go into the big buildings there. They filmed part of Les Miserables. Uh, Nelson's body lay in state down there. It's got a beautiful painted ceiling. There's lots to see in Greenwich. It's not the greatest shopping. You don't go to Greenwich for shopping, I don't think. But it's certainly nice to... Uh, to go down and visit. And I, I would do a riverboat trip. I really would. That would. You know, you can sit there, you can buy a cup of tea for a couple of quid or whatever it is on the boats and then just watch the world go by. It's lovely. It's absolutely delightful. Try spotting where you are as you go down the river, going, oh, I think now we're at Bermondsey or now we're at this. Uh, 84850. Sophie says that my mum's not with us now, but she used to love listening to you and Clive Bull. She had kidney stones. And uh, she had this uh, lithotripsy several times. She said it was worse than labour. And uh, my mum was Pam in Fulham. Oh, right. I knew a Pam in Fulham. There was a lady who, who wrote to me years ago. She was, um, she was a carer for her mother, I think. And uh, she came in to visit me a long, long time ago. And she'd had a mastectomy. And uh, she said, I'm a carer. And, of course, if you're a carer for an elderly person or your parents, you don't get any time off. You're very badly serviced as carers. It's, uh, I've seen programmes on the television where young people... Are carers, you know, children of 15, 9, 10, they're carers for their elderly parents because there's, there's just nothing available there. And it's a great shame. It's, it's a great shame that sort of people, before they go to school, there was one little boy, and before he went to school, he had to sort of get his parents breakfast, make sure they were up, make sure that everything was ready, their medicine was out there. This is before he even went off to school. And so I've always had a, a soft spot for carers. People who, who go the extra mile. People who do that bit to help other people out because there's nobody else to do it. 
And then you read horrible stories in the papers about people, you know, being shot because... And you think to yourself, my God, the world's gone completely mad, hasn't it? Shellfish are actually one of the dirtiest types of seafood you can eat, says Philip. Mollusks and crustaceans. Crustaceans, of course, is lobster, crab, shrimp, uh, langostino, crawfish. And crustacean means insect of the ocean. They're the bottom feeders. Yes, that was the old Victoria Woodlines. You know, um, prawns tread water in sewage outlets with their mouths open because they do. They eat everything. And then there was all those little fish, weren't there, that sort of used to nibble all the dead skin between your toes. Prawns do exactly the same thing. Prawns do the same thing. You can become more ill with uh, shellfish, you know, and with, uh, with mollusks and crustaceans, and quicker than anything else. If you get food poisoning... I told you once we had a restaurant in to do some food for a programme I was doing on LBC, and uh, all they brought were, were prawns, and they cooked them in the studio in a wok with some garlic... And some sauce. And the smell was delicious. And we had a guest who absolutely wolfed them down. As fast as they were cooking them, she was eating them. Next day, we got a phone call from Adrian saying she was so violently ill the other day. And uh, you have to be careful. You can always smell fish. If, if you smell that the producer smells, you buy him a sandwich, he's always smelling everything. So if you actually get to a situation like that, always smell something first. Your nose is the, is the best indicator of whether or not something is, is actually gone off. So we've got a nice uh, birthday cake, which I'm assuming because of the, what it weighs, it's a fruit cake. We've still got the lobster that uh, we're going to be sorting him out a lot later. Still plenty more to come this Tuesday morning on Early Breakfast on LBC with Steve Allen. All the papers in the studio. I'll run through the front pages for you. A lot of them dealing with the, uh, the missing plane, the victims. They say 23,000 feet under the ocean. Uh, they haven't found it yet. That's about two and a half miles, incidentally. Uh, also, playing sport at school could protect against broken limbs in old age. I wouldn't necessarily go for that one. There's a rampant daffodil killing bug, which is spreading across the country. And the train that actually went up the escalator in Chicago instead of scooting along the train tracks. Or, of course, it's the gadget giveaway. From LBC, I'm Steve Allen. All of that is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Five past six, Tuesday morning. Chilly. It's chilly. I mean, I know as we sort of head into April, it's the 25th of March. If you celebrate your birthday, uh, many happy returns of the day. Playing sport at school can protect against broken limbs in old age. This daffodil-killing bug, the train that went up the escalator, I mean, it's the most remarkable picture. You would think it would actually have a theme park, but it's not. The gadget giveaway today, your chance to get your hands on the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3. All your texts and emails, 84850-stevenlbc.co.uk. A new book which is out, two films, and the front pages of the papers. Is there enough time? They'll have to be. It's LBC, I'm with you till 6.30. And don't forget, we'll have a free uh, podcast for you a little bit later on, which will be up before 7 o'clock this morning, which is where we take a gentle dig at so-called celebrities. I say so-called celebrities because apparently nowadays in this country, a celebrity is any old Tom, Dick and Harry who appears on a, on a reality show. Some of them very sad, some of them very stupid. Actually, I take that back. Most of them very stupid. But there was, there was one piece I was going to read, actually, because it was... And I can't remember which paper I found it in this morning. I was going through the papers, and I like reading the TV critics, because I'm always, I'm always curious as to, to, to sort of decide whether or not the TV critics are saying exactly the same as I am about TV programmes. Now we, we, we've had a quote from... And it's got nothing to do with television. This is Kelly Brook. 
and apparently has been whisked away to um, Tornado's hometown of Wigan. And apparently this is the best man she's ever met in her entire life. But there again, she says that about everybody. So we don't really take too much notice of what Kelly Brooks says. But uh, they have the most pie shops per mile. Uh, Wigan gone. But strangely enough, actually, who do you think is a, is a famous Wiganite? A famous Wiganite. I mean, apart from Tornado, I don't really call him famous at all. He's famed by association. Believe it or not, George Formby was born there. And the Verve singer Richard Ashcroft. Actor Sir Ian McKellen and LBC radio presenter Kay Burley comes from Wigan. It was once a major cool, a major what? A major coal producing town. More than a thousand pits within five miles. You wouldn't have thought that, would you? Absolutely unbelievable. Um, it wasn't uh, Ali Ross, was it? He, well, he, he talked about sport relief and said it was a load of old pony. It's the same old, same old, isn't it? You know, where they drag out... Poor old Patrick Kilty and people go, who is he? Well, he's the human swan vester. Uh, nobody really knows what he does, uh, but he just turns up on anything. He's obviously got a very good agent. But uh, but he, he does talk about... Um, <laughs> it's very interesting, actually. Anton Deck putting Christine Bleakley through the torments of hell on Takeaway. He said that last week's Takeaway was the best. But then one of the other TV critics has actually had a go at Anton Deck. And it's most unusual. When you find somebody who has a go at Anton Deck, it's almost a bit sacrilegious. You, you feel that uh, they are TV gold and you can't really say too much about them. This particular TV critic has, uh, has absolutely had it go at them. Not because he thinks that the programme was particularly bad, but it's because he thinks it's, it's becoming a little bit, a little bit sort of, a um, little bit incestuous. And it's Ian Highland writing in the Daily Mirror today. He says, I've seen some selfless generosity in my time, but Anton Deck, agents, James Grant Management, giving jobless Christine Bleakley, agent, James Grant Management, the opportunity to boost her public profile on Saturday night, takeaway, brought a tear to the eye. I'm only joking, of course, he says. I'm sure it's entirely coincidental that four of Anton Deck's six undercover victims this series have been... James Grant clients. Probably a logistical thing. That's it. Anyway, says, Bleakley was hilarious. Oh, yeah. And it does help to defrost the Ice Maiden image. She just doesn't have that likability factor. But it's funny, isn't it? Because I think Jonathan Ross, all of his guests on the programme, came from Addison Creswell, who was his agent, and they were Addison Creswell's clients. So, presumably, Ant and Deck have been told by their management, listen, is it possibly could put uh, Christine, how are you, bleakly on the television, try and boost up her profile, make her sort of, you know, make the pu- The public don't like her. She doesn't have the likability factor. I don't know why. I was asking Alan Titchmarsh about this yesterday, and neither of us had the answer. You can either do it on the television. He said, I spent the first 20 years of my life, he said, crafting what I do. Because there is an art to doing live television and an art to making it look effortless he said so I now spent ages making something look as simple as possible and yet if it was that simple everybody would be doing it but they can't that's why Anton Deck are particularly good at what they do and why Christine Bleakley it's no good sitting there with a big grin on your face you know it just doesn't work if if the public see through the plastic smile they're not interested just because somebody smiles and shows you their nicely veneered teeth I couldn't care less I really couldn't care less. It's, you know, it's awful. Mind you, I think what was interesting on Saturday was Bonnie Tyler forgetting the words to holding out for a hero. Because, and also, did you notice the other thing as well? They had Kermit the Frog and Miss Piggy. It was quite clearly pre-recorded. Because at one point, the loop came round again. It was like a tape loop. But uh, it, it was actually the best. 
of the uh, of the bad thing. All they're doing is trying to fall t- uh, flog tickets on the side for their live tour. That's all they're doing. It's just one giant plug. It's interesting because I loved their advert on the television for Morrison's, where Anton Deck, you know, ooh, jolly people, we go through a market, which, of course, was assembled because the fact that Morrison's is there, all the market is gone now. They've all been put out of business by the big supermarkets. The big supermarkets move into town, the markets close. The only things that seem to survive in this day and age are the farmers' markets, where, you know, I'm never too sure just how much of farming they really are or whether they've gone to a warehouse and bought stuff. Because you don't know, do you? It says, you know, farm fresh eggs. I don't know where they come from. Got no idea. Um, I, I did want to mention Boyzone. And, and the person I wanted to mention is the, the new bearded one out of Boyzone. Now, this is poor old Shane Lynch. He's 37. He, uh, he's, he's got lots of tattoos. And he's also... I think he's been on a few reality shows. I can't remember what one in particular he's been on, because most people seem to do reality shows. And so he's now grown this beard. He looks so ancient. It really is not a good look at all. 37, though, he says, I get tattoos regularly. I may have some on my face. I have them on my neck and my hands. It's a lifestyle thing I'm involved in. I may even have one on my... Oh, good Lord. Well, there you go. I suppose you can have things like that. But he's become obsessed with tattoos, which is great when you're, in theory, young. But as poor old Shane Lynch is now 37, it's a bit old. I don't think, and I'm, I don't remember when Kean Egan came in, whether he's got any tattoos. He doesn't look like... He looks too clean-cut, Kean Egan, to have tattoos. Whereas Shane Lynch... Looks like he would have lots of tattoos, which is probably fine when you're 19 and 20. But when you get to 37, it's looking a bit sad old man. Really, really sad old man, I'm afraid. So my advice is no more. Talking of no more, somebody there was a comedy programme on the telly the other day and they were talking about the super injunctions which people take out against the newspapers to stop the newspapers reporting somebody's misdemeanour. And one of the comedians said, he said, I wish somebody would take out a super injunction against Jordan. Then we wouldn't have to put up with her droning, monotone, dull voice. And the audience broke into spontaneous applause. I was very pleased about that. I can think of a few other people on the television, including Sarah Harding, who laughingly thinks she's in the music business. You have to applaud the audacity of this poor girl. And uh, she turned up the other day. She's now uh, busy judging the uh, inaugural Model Mates camp on Lorraine. Please, a good gig there. Anyway, at least she made the most of her judging duties, showing off a toned tummy and the mean pout in the ITV car park. Speaking about her bond, this is Sarah Harding, with her former Girls Aloud bandmates, Sarah, 32, told Lorraine, we spent 11 years together, so it's almost like we're sisters in a way. Yeah, right, love. And how many of them turned up to your little gig? I don't think anybody did, they really? <laughs> because mainly there was no room. You were performing on something the size of a postage stamp. But, I mean, you know, at least you've got to applaud her for sort of droning on about it and still thinking. It's like Cheryl Cole, isn't it? Cheryl Cole apparently likes South Africa so much, she's thinking of buying a house there. Brilliant. Brilliant. Perhaps she can stay there. That'd be quite nice, wouldn't it? And, uh, surprisingly, Catherine Jenkins has a new boyfriend. And uh, she says he's a lovely Jewish boy from New York and I'm going for my first Passover meal next month. Well, there you go. That's nice, isn't it? So expect Catherine Jenkins to have the conversion any time soon. Julie Walters on the uh, the Victoria Woods show says never touch the prawns. Thank you. Um, Jill says Gordon Ramsay puts a knife through the lobster's brain for humane reasons. Um, uh, You've got to cook it. You know, there's no point in killing the thing because the meat's got to be cooked inside the shell. It's got its own little, its own little house with it. 
I'm sure other people have got it. Jill doesn't doesn't eat it at all, I'm afraid. And the guy from Kajagoogoo, uh, Limal, came from Wigan, says Billy. I'd have to ask Kay Burley this Sunday about... I'll have to find out some interesting fact on Wigan. Uh, mayonnaise on chips is even worse, says Joe. Oh, right. <laughs> I think... Is, is, is mayonnaise on chips not acceptable nowadays? It's amazing how many people dump things, you know, on... Uh, on chips. Uh, another one here says, I think the pain for an ovarian cyst has to be the worst as iron in Glasgow. Well, not um, not not going there. I, I wouldn't know, actually, at all. Uh, still to come, we'll have a look at the front pages of the papers. Time now, quickly for you, 6.15. Nick Ferrari and the team this morning from 7 on LBC. Nick will be uh, finding out more on this, this flight, the MH370, the passengers. Now the Relatives have been told there's no hope of survival. Uh, they think they've pinned down an area. So far, they found nothing. They found nothing. We're in the same position, except now we're told they've worked out that this was the corridor it went along, and that, so they're, they're saying this is where it went down. Whether or not it crashed into the sea deliberately, we do not know. Whether or not it blew up, we do not know. Whether or not the pilot was on a suicide mission, we do not know. We know nothing until they actually get the thing up, or they get, which is not going to happen. They get it's two and a half miles down, for goodness sake. They're going to have to go down in some sort of submersible to find out whether or not the thing is in pieces down there. They've said there's, that there's no hope of survivors, but I think we knew that after about day three, didn't we? You can't just lose a plane out of the sky. Nick will be asking a series of experts this morning uh, where we go now in the investigation. I think they want proof. They want proof, these people, to see this is where it is. They want to see some photographs taken on the ocean floor. Why is a school in Britain teaching English as a foreign language? And how can we spot signs of mental health issues in our children? This presumably is after the shooting in America. Looking at the papers today, uh, Syed Kamal, Conservative MAP for London. Gadget competition. You've got a few minutes left on, on that one. After Valerie from Edgware, Valerie Bloom. Well done, Valerie. Got herself the fabulous iPod docking system. Today it's the Samsung Galaxy Tab 3. It's the Android version of the iPad. It's like the iPad, you know, with all the all the functionality you would expect from a top-class tablet. Can be yours at 6.30 this morning. One lucky listener will win it. On which reality TV show did Will Young first appear? Text the word gadget, followed by your answer, and send it to 84850 to get here before 6.30 this morning. The text will cost £1.50 plus your standard network rate. If you text after the closing time, you won't be entered but may still be charged. We play across the LBC network. Full terms and conditions online at lbc.co.uk. Also, don't forget, tomorrow being Wednesday, it's the, it's the battle. Nick Clegg and Nigel Farage on LBC. And you can put your question... To the gentleman on Britain's membership of the European Union, all you have to do is go to our website, lbc.co.uk, and submit your question. So it's live on LBC and lbc.co.uk tomorrow at 7pm. I think it's a first on LBC, certainly truly leading Britain's conversation. Let's have a look at the... I was going to mention a book to you, actually, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention the book, actually, now. It's called The Silver Songsters. It's by Julian Ruck, and it's a very interesting book. Uh, it's set in 1937... The only reason I mention it is because it's part true story of two boy sopranos, age 14. One a rascal from, uh, from uh, Landtwitten uh, Major in South Wales. And the other a Jewish refugee fleeing from Nazi Germany. And they're recruited by the choir master to join a renowned singing troupe, Stefani Silver Songsters. 
And uh, along the way, there's a chorus girl who is testing the boys. But it's, it's based roughly on a true story of Britain's top boy soprano. This is a Swansea man called, I think, Ilted John Loveluck. And he was the teenage pop idol of his day. So it's a fascinating book. And so uh, I was sent this the other day. The Silver Songsters. Famous fleeting, but friendship lasts a lifetime. It reminds me actually very much of Only Boys Allowed, who featured on this programme and continue to feature because I'm such a big fan. The, uh, the front pages of the papers this morning, The End of Hope, says The Guardian, as relatives of the passengers on board Malaysian flight MH370 are told the airliner has crashed in the southern Indian Ocean. The co-pilot of the flight features on the front of The Telegraph, as sources close to the investigation say the jet was crashed in an apparent suicide mission. Missing plane victims, 23,000 feet under the sea, is the Mirror's headline as they reflect on the confirmation, confirmation that the flight plunged into the ocean with no survivors. The FT says the discovery of where the plane could be was only made after British experts used data to track the flight path. Why, that couldn't have been done ages ago. Details of the final moments of flight MH370 make the front of the Express... They say terror aboard, doomed flight. The Conservatives plan to revive their pledge to raise the, raise the threshold on the inheritance tax at the next election, says the Daily Mail. Comic Jimmy Tarbuck, who now won't face sex charges, is pictured. He's very happy, very happy and very relieved. President Obama is on the front of the Times in front of Rembrandt's The Night Watch in Amsterdam as the world leaders meet at The Hague. The decision to cut Russia from the G8 is its top story. Uh the uh, I reports that Lloyds Bank has been caught in another scandal over PPI payouts. The group is accused of denying victims millions in compensation. The Independent, same lead. The new scandal could affect, they say, one in four customers. The Sun has a story about Prince Harry, who's apparently been on a romantic skiing trip to Kazakhstan with his girlfriend. You remember the disaster that Prince Andrew had in Kazakhstan. And Simon Cowell is trying to recruit Rihanna to become a judge on the X Factor, that's in today's Daily Star. Whether or not there's any truth in that story remains to be seen. Uh, some more of your texts and emails to round off the programme this morning. Uh, yesterday you mentioned the hanging of children at Tyburn. What happened to the bodies afterwards? Uh, was there a big pit? It, they were buried, actually, and when they started putting up the houses on Park Lane, they uncovered lots of pits where there were bodies uh, that had been buried over the years, because presumably they didn't want to start sort of dragging them around. They weren't going to put them in, in cemeteries. And so when they were putting up some of the mansions on Park Lane, I read this the other day in this book about Tyburn, they discovered bones, and so that's where they think people were actually put. Um, one here from Jackie, who says, you were talking about seafood, a lovely food called samphire. Grows on the marshes next to the sea. Great to pick, but last night mine came from Waitrose. Yes, it's very. it looks a bit like sort of Seaweed, doesn't it? Sort of upmarket seaweed, which sounds quite nice. Uh, don't forget the damage diabetes can do to your feet, says Colin. Yes, that's all due to the circulation problems. You have to look after your feet if you're a, a diabetic. Apparently, Iceland sells 12-bite frozen snacks, battered fish and chips with mushy peas. We have actually tried it, Ian, in Muswell Hill. I can't recommend it, I'm afraid. It's not as exciting as you think it is. I wish it was. I wish it was. Uh, and finally, one here. Actually, I was going to tell you about the uh, the weather again, but I can't. Uh, being a diabetic foot amputee, says Glenn, there's a little work for the uh, fruit de la mer to be getting on with. Adult eels can live to be 70 or 80 years old. Sounds gulls. I couldn't eat eel. We definitely don't want to call That would be very noisy in the box this morning, wouldn't it? Very noisy. Thank you, incidentally, for all your texts and emails this morning. Uh, we should do it all again 
Tomorrow morning from 4am, we'll have a free podcast for you up. Thank you for the uh, the delicious cake. It looks absolutely wonderful. I shall let you know the fate of James the Lobster today. Live lobster? Really? Live lobster. Later on LBC, Nick Ferrari is here. From 7 with breakfast. Next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news.